hate to go all technical on you, but all hands on deck, swirly thing alert! Attention! Listen, you motherfuckers. Buckle up, pedal heads. You're experiencing the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Are you fucking high? Yes, I am! Asshole face man! You are my podcast. My only podcast. So if you fucking take my podcast away, I'm going to shove my foot so far up your ass. Oh my god! It's very creepy. Just a little weird. Maybe it'll catch on. Who knows? It is out of sheer morbid curiosity. I'm allowing this freak show to continue. How do you fix that, though? Take a big step back and literally suck my dick. Do I have your attention? Send your dick pics. (laughs) I got a whole folder full of dick pics, okay? Are you interested? I know you are, because it's fuck or walk. You're shitting me. Have you made your decision for Christ? To tell you the truth, I don't give a shit. I would not say such things if I were you. Who the fuck are you? Phone Boy and Phoenix. I don't know, Phone Boy. Those two are those two are pretty interesting to listen to. Oh, they're horrible. They're fucking nuts! But they don't know shit about fuck, clearly. You just can't trust them. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <clears throat> Bullshit. Now with twice the whores. The offensive has begun. Yeah, well, uh, the offensive has begun. All, all of the, all of the offense. If you, if you didn't, you couldn't get past the opening. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> well, that's, well, that's your problem. That's just your opinion. Uh, so, welcome to episode one one nine of the Lotus Effect, provisionally titled "She Explains the Porn." Yeah, so we, that, there's a story behind that name. Yeah, there uh, is. Yeah, much like the show title, which you know, it's probably going to change because we, okay, we say all kinds of random shit on the show that sometimes sounds really funny. And we think it might make a good show title, and also sometimes you say funny shit, and, and it could be a show title. So, yeah. Well, you know, shows made up content, uh, you know, probably doesn't matter that much. And uh, I think uh, I'm phone boy. He puts his dick on the table, you know. Damn it. Every time you do that, this happens. Oh, yeah. Choke me harder, daddy. Don't stop. And I'm Phoenix. Well, there you go. Well, that's a, that's a, that is a, yeah, you said that you were going to do something different behind the mic. Well, that's what you did. So, all right. Um, so I think, um, you know, I think there's a I, 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 there's something there's something I need to produce with this next clip. I think that I hadn't done before the show. But oh yeah, there was an add-on to this that you failed to, I failed to tell you to do, and you failed to remember. We both fucked up. You know. Yes, I. You know you fucked up. All right. That's all right though, because we gonna get on it like this. Yeah. What is this a freak out? This is kind of strange. This is terrific. <laughs> I think I'm gonna be sick. <laughs> Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a-glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are I just had an orgasm. Yeah, well, I, 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 I don't know. Uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, there's something. Yeah, yeah I, I, there's something the, foam, foam Boy hasn't said lately. <sighs> oh, I, Jesus Christ. Well, breaking the balls, breaking the, the balls. balls. 
Yeah, well, you know, things things are, um, you know, with, with, things have been busy. Yeah, that's all I can say. Um, but, um, <clears throat> you know, the Lotus affects everyone differently. Um, you know, light your Lotuses, of course. Um, you know, and uh, but uh, it, however and wherever the Lotus is affecting you, thank you for your courage and propagating the model of the Podfather himself. It's, it's a great formula. And if you're new to the No Agenda family, and you might be because uh, you may have found out about this uh, podcast through some other means, here's how this thing works. Benjamins and Boostergrams. Yeah, we love Benjamins and Boostergrams. Uh, now, what? Now we're, we're talking about it in terms of value for value. We are a value for value podcast, and so what that means is that we, you know, we we put out some we, we put out something that we think is valuable in form of entertainment, right, or, or information, or just you know, just plain fucking shenanigans, right? Um, now, however you value that, uh, put a number to it um, and uh, and send it to us. And it can be it can either be in time, it can be in talent or treasure. Now, contribute it back to us. We got got a really great contribution out of the blue the other day that uh, that I did not. Uh, that I did not expect. I had to. I had to actually go look for it. But uh, you know, here's how this works, right? If you want to, if you want to, if you want to give some value back to us, you need to go to lotuseffect.show and uh, and and click on that, uh, you know, and click on that green we green we like money button, and and you can and you can decide to do a monthly donation or or you can do a one time donation, and you can send it through PayPal, right? Or we we love we we love getting the cuck the cuck bucks. Um, you know, we've got that going on. We've also got yeah. Uh, and if your money offends you, we're a charitable organization. We'll take it off of your hands. We'll be glad to put it to use in the way that it's intended to be, which is to propagate that formula that the Podfather talks about and get our message out there. And hopefully our show leads to another show leads to another show. And before you know it, you're uh, a strong member of the No Agenda community, not a douchebag. And, uh, you know, Adam and John benefit, too. That's right. So um, we do. Ha yeah. So um, yeah, you can also. Uh, so, you know, if you if you've never done a Boostergram before, you can go to uh, uh, go to new podcast apps dot com. Right. And uh, or if you're really saucy, you can go to nude podcast apps dot com. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and uh, and then you can use one of the you can use one of the uh, you, you know, need to get yourself a new 2.0 app if you don't have one. That way you can splash <laughs> the walls with Satoshis and contribute some value you in that form yeah exactly so just plain shenanigans yes which might that actually might be a potential show title now i think that's a fantastic show title yes uh but it's uh yeah just plain shenanigans which is yeah that, that is and that, i see that we have some boostograms that came in since the last time we talked to you all so I think Phone Boy wants to tell you all about them. Yes, exactly. So, uh, so we didn't get we we have not we didn't get a I don't know the boost bot for some reason isn't showing up in the channel anymore. At least it's not putting my things in there. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I need to probably debug this with, um, there, but there's there's apparently a problem with the split. So I need to figure this out. But anyway, um, but here's here's we we did get a couple of boostograms. Uh, you did a boostogram. Uh, my my co-host here. Me. Yes, uh, for thirty three thirty three sats with fountain. It's and, and you said our wedding song. Love you, Phone Boy. And our our wedding. Song song is uh, Storybook Love, uh, which is at, with uh, the Willie DeVille version of it that, uh, um, you know, it's it, phenomenal. It, it is a phenomenal thing. And yes, when, when I hear wedding song, that's the song we want to dance to at our wedding when we actually do it. Now, we also got a boostergram from Comic Strip Blogger. 5,000 sats. CSB. Howdy, Phone Boy in Phoenix. Hey there, dear podcast listeners. I'd like to invite you to check out and subscribe to my blog, which features some hilarious cartoo cartoons. Just head over to www.csb.lol. And get ready to laugh. Yo! 
CSB. Thank you, CSB. We appreciate it. Thank you, CSB. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, we I was just I was just checking the the the, the, the you know the, the the what do you call it uh, the, the, the the seeing if anything new had come in. Yeah. And and unfortunately, no. And that, that was that was the only thing that had come in. I knew about it because CSB had uh, sent me a message had uh, messaged me on No Agenda Social and told me that it was there. So I went to go look. And yes, yeah, so I do have I do have Satoshi the Satoshi stream bot up in my window here, so I can see what's going on. If you that's if you fantastic. So if, if anyone listening wants to boost us live, we would love it because yeah now i won't say that i um understand everything but it was uh, certainly uh, different and oh uh yes well well worth a dollar so we should probably tell you about another way that you can contribute some value for value and that's through feedback i got mail yay so you can contact us uh, on uh, No Agenda Social. I'm phoneboy at noagendasocial.com. Phoenix is P-H-E-O-N-I-X with a bunch of other stuff after it at noagendasocial.com. Uh, you can also... But this There's so- also a link to me on Phoneboy's profile well and, and also in the show notes for the show now so it's it's actually so so yeah you can you can find links in the show notes for that i'm totes reachable yes you can send us an email phoneboy at lotus effect show phoenix at lotus effect show and i assure you i check my emails <coughs> daily i'm obsessive it's the one tech thing that i just can't keep my fingers yeah. off of other than uh, phoneboy yeah. is my email yeah exactly well yeah just and if you, you can of course you can also do like pms on irc but we may not read them immediately because uh, you know we we, we we didn't i don't you know i only I only, ha- I only tend to hang out in, in, uh, in, the, in the chat room during the show, right? Or during shows or yeah, when I'm doing I'm, stuff. I'm not a, I'm not a big, like, in my RRC chat unless I have, have a, a reason, reason yeah. to be. Yeah, exactly. But so, 100%, if you really want to get Phoenix's attention, send me yeah, an email. Yes. And it will definitely be seen. Yes, anyway. Same day, maybe even same minute. Yeah, who knows? But, all right, so we, anyway, another way you can participate and give us feedback is to call 253-237-3321. One ringy-dingy. Two ringy-dingy. Dell Computers, this is Chip. Yeah, well, I, I can assure you that neither Ernestine or, or Chip are, you know, Chip quote unquote, are standing by. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, that but uh, you can certainly provide your voicemail and, uh, and, and, and Google Translate will will uh, will mangle it and turn it into something that didn't was nothing like you said. And, and then you'll probably end up as a show title. That's it right. happens a lot. OK, so now uh, but but of course we need to tell them what they're calling two, five, three, two, three, seven, three, three, two, one, four. And that is we have a new segment that we have decided to take all of the stuff that you've known and loved from the beginning of our show as we have changed and morphed and become the wonderful, beautiful Lotus that you currently know and the effect of which you experience Saturdays at 4 p.m. So this week. To start the new year and continuing forward, instead of just regular old voicemails or the refire, as we would call it, we have put it into a new segment called Duncan Hines. And I will explain that when we get to it. It's, we call it. We used to call it kind of the refire segment, but it's now the it's now the Duncan Hines segment. We'll explain why. We'll that completely is like, explain. Yes, but. Yeah, but Here's yes, but we still, have, we still we still have a but yeah we still have so we're still kind of uh, you know I think I think I think the idea is we're still going to have kind of a question or so or maybe a, maybe a prompt right because I think it's important. It's that- a prompt, but it's not necessarily a question because ultimately what we're trying to say is when you call two five three two three seven three three two one, we want you to sound off. We want you to have a rant, whatever it is, whether it's the question we've asked or something that's just got up under your saddle and just irritated the holy shit out of you for a day, a minute, 
a week, however long you've been pissed about this and you just want to sound off, you want maybe other people to share in your outrage or whatever, 253-237-3321. Since, you know, Phoenix is hella fiery and we obviously don't give a figgity fuck about if we offend people necessarily, because the only thing we do that could potentially be offensive is the fact that we don't shy away from colorful language. If that offends people, and again, that's why we say that our opening is like a uh, a content warning. You don't get through the opening, you won't get through the content. So if there's anything you want to sound off on, and this week, what we're asking, what pissed you off at the holidays? Like what happened over Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever it was, what just really stuck in your craw and made you want to either stuff that turkey down Uncle Tom's neck? What made you want to hang one of those little grandbabies like a stocking by the fireplace or a niece or nephew, whatever it is? Tell us, 253-237-3321. Sound off on what pissed you off over the holidays. But, uh, you know, okay, now you know how the show works. Uh, So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide and say, give it to me straight, doctor, I can take it. Yeah, now, meanwhile, uh, we love your feedback, but... We don't want your shit. Please don't send us your shit. Yeah, we're, you know, look, we're... Be respectful. Yeah, just be respectful, y'all. We're not, you know, we're not trying, you know, we're not trying to be everything to everybody. We're trying to just be us and have a great goddamn time, and, 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 you know, we're not, you know, we don't, we don't mean to hurt anybody. We're just, you know, we're just here, you know, we're just here smoking bowls and, and, uh, you know, and... Freeing our own souls. Exactly, yes, and make, and and trying to help you free yours. You know, that's that's all we're doing here, but... uh, That's right, and I think it's time to get into the first part of how we do that, which is our health segment, which will never be brought to you by Pfizer. And this story, <laughs> this one's good. Can the science get done and you make a need come for the people who are still alive? I love when I can pull Jonathan Colton into the into the show here. Uh, so nearly one in five deceased patients are marked alive in electronic health records, and 80% received primary care outreach after their death, according to research letter published online in December 4th uh, by, uh, yes, in the JAMA Internal Medicine magazine. What? Yeah, it's exactly. No, so that's not, that's not legal. No. Neil S. Wagner, MD from the University of California, Los Angeles, uh, UCLA, and, col- and, col- and colleagues investigated what proportion of active patients a health system is unaware are deceased. The analysis included uh, electronic health records data from 11,698 seriously ill continue, uh, c- continuity primary care patients aged 18 and older with two or more uh, c- uh, primary care visits during the prior year seen at 41 cl- clinics across an academic health system. And, uh, you know, this is uh, the researchers found that 25 percent of included patients were recorded as deceased in the EHR, while 5.8 percent were deceased, according to the state death files, but marked alive in the EHR. Eighty percent of the 676 patients not known to be deceased had an encounter or appointment outstanding after death and received an estimated 221 phone calls and 338 portal messages. Now, furthermore. 221 of these patients received 920 letters concerning unmet preventative care needs, flu shots, cancer screening. 166 patients received, um, you know, the 226 other mailed correspondence. 158 patients had 184 orders placed for vaccines and other clinical care. And 88 medications were authorized in 130 encounters. So, okay, so this is this is really. Bugging. And then we wonder why it's so easy to defraud 
the Medicare or not Medicare system, the um, Social Security system or the benefit system for um, oh, what is it's not Social Security. It's the other one. But it's basic Medicare, Medicare. No, it's not Medicare. It's a it's uh it's it's not disability. Maybe it is Social Security, but it's not like the normal Social Security. It's like you're disabled Social Security. But anyway, it's real easy. Like you have an old mother whose fucking health ain't great and she Yeah. Um you can still be receiving those checks for a hot minute. Cuz they don't check into it the way that they should, much like the electronic health records are not checking into who's actually alive and who's dead. And by the way, I'm not advocating for this because it's fucking illegal. It's called fraud. So how about you don't? I'm just saying it's really fucking SSI. That's it. I knew that it was Social Security, but not Social Security. It's called SSI. So, yeah. It's real easy to defraud those folks because they don't do the checks and balances the way that they should. And I'm not advocating for doing that because A, it's immoral, B, it's illegal, and C, just don't. Yeah, unfortunately, which just kind of makes me my my thought process about this is if my if my ex dies before I uh, um, yeah but before she, before my financial obligation expires, uh, I probably I, I can't I can't be reliably uh, informed that I will be you know I don't think I'm going to be reliably informed of that fact. Yeah, there's laws. If she, if you can prove that she bucked the kicket before the payments stopped and she received more, um, that money goes back to you. You can sue the holy shit out of the state of Washington if nobody else for that shenanigan. Well, yes, because yes, that's their responsibility because yes, my, because that is, because that is written in, that's actually even written in the agreement is that upon, you know, this, this terminates on death upon death, right? So. Yeah, well, right there, binding legal contract of which it was signed off on, that's an open and shut case. They will have to refund that money to you if that ever becomes a thing, which I'm hoping it doesn't. I mean, yes, it'd be great if she'd fucking die already, but uh, I don't wish for you to be needlessly sending money to <sighs> an already dead. I mean, we all know she's cold, but she needs to pick up on the dead part. Exactly. Uh, meanwhile, oh, excuse me. Sorry, it has been unfortunately it's been a very allergy. Poor phone boy is having allergies like a mofo. I feel so bad for him, but I don't feel bad for these next people. Oh, oh, oh! So a new study by researchers at the Case Western Reserve School of Medicine revealed that a chemical used in the diabetes drug Ozempic and the weight management drug Regovi is not associated with an increased risk for suicidal thoughts. Now, I find that interesting because I know we had reported on the fact that they had come out and said that it was contributing to suicidal thoughts. So the findings about the chemical known as semaglutide are particularly significant because this summer, the European Medicines Agency, the EMA, launched an investigation of its potential dangers. And after examining about 2 million patients with type 2 diabetes or obesity, the research team, led by biomedical inf informatics professor Rong Zhu, 
found no evidence to support the EMA's concern that semaglutide may cause suicidal ideations. In fact, the study recently accepted by the journal of natural medicine found that Ozempic and Wagovi actually reduced the risk of suicidal ideations. And to assess the association between semaglutide and the risk of suicidal ideations, the team began examining the electronic health records. I find that amusing. I'm just going to put that out there after that story we just reported on. Uh, So they examined the electronic health records of nearly 101 million patients nationally. Then they applied specific inclusion criteria to select the 2 million patients further. It was similar to how we gathered real-time evidence of COVID-19 infections and outcomes during the COVID-19 pandemic, Zhu said. Yes. Are you fucking kidding me? What? That is such <clears throat> bullshit. But anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it just, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like a bunch of just, uh, you know, yeah, a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Well, so is this. Give us a week. We'll take off the weight. Got to remember those fucking ads in, from the 80s. Yeah, I fucking do. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I fucking did. Yeah. Now, crash diets have been around for years, but have stayed popular more recently thanks to influencers and social media. Now, typically, these diets involve drastically reducing calorie intake to 800 12, to 1,200 calories a day for a few weeks at a time. Now, proponents of these diets claim it can lead to rapid weight loss, which may explain why they have such a significant appeal. Now, indeed, research has shown that these diets can actually be very effective for certain people. But while these diets may lead to short-term weight loss in some people, they can have long-term consequences of damaging your metabolism. This may explain why around 80% of diets fail, with the person ultimately putting all the weight they lost back on, or even gaining more weight than they lost. Your metabolism is the sum of all the chemical reactions in the body, and it's responsible for computing, for con- com- computing converting the food we eat into energy. And uh, and it's it's yeah, trying, let's see uh, and, and then storing the, any surplus energy as fat. Now your metabol now it's a little more complicated than that. I think now your metabolism is uh, is affected by a great many things, including diet, exercise, and your home hormones and your stress. Hello, you know let's, let's not forget crash. What is all anyone? Yeah, uh, crash diets affect all of these things and probably increase. And so um, now with the, with the crash diet, you I, can- want, I want to point out also that the same effect is being seen, and they're reporting on it. When you go off of the Ozempic and the Wegovy, you put the weight back on. So any way you slice it, this is just not something you should be doing. But please continue. Yes. With a crash diet, you consume far less calories than normal. That means your body doesn't need to use as much energy to digest and absorb the food you've eaten. You also lose muscle. All of these fa- all of these factors lower metabolic rate, meaning the body will burn fewer calories when not exercising. That's yeah. So in the short term, crash diets can lead to feelings of tiredness, which makes doing any activity, let alone a workout, challenging. This is because less energy is available, and what is available is prioritized for life-sustaining reactions. And one of the things I've noticed, if I don't eat enough, is I get cold, right? I will be cold. That is true. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that is one of the that is one of the things that can happen in a, in a um, you know, that is one of the things that can happen with it, with this stuff is is, uh, you know, that, that it is. And in the long term, crash diets can change the hormone makeup of our bodies. They increase our stress hormones, such as cortisol. And over an extended period of time, typically months, high cortisol levels can cause our body to store more fat. Yeah, it's, it, trust me. It's, you know, um, and I mean, I even in my own weight loss journey, I, I knew that part of the reason I wasn't able to get where I wanted to be was because I was under a whole lot of fucking stress. That was, that was. You know, yeah, what, and the cortisol was literally preventing you because even though you were running untold amounts of miles and not putting any hot fresh garbage in your body, 
you just still were not making the progress because all that cortisol was building up and counteracting your efforts. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. So crash diets can also reduce the level of the hormone T3, which is produced by the thyroid gland. It's critical in regulating our basal metabolic rate, the number of calories your body needs in order to sustain itself. Long-term changes in T3 levels can lead to hyperthyroidism and weight gain. Now, um, Together, all of these changes make the body more adept at putting on weight when you begin consuming more calories again. And these changes may exist for months, if not years. And if you're trying to lose weight, the best strategy is to follow is following a long term gradual weight loss diet. And of course, they, you know, the, what they tell you is, of course, all the all the normal bullshit. So, you know, I don't I don't need to say the rest of this stuff. Well, I just I want to add really quick that I actually had a biologist in my rideshare. It's not worthy of a rideshare tale but we were talking about nutrition and the lack of education that people are given in the medical field etc on the subject of nutrition including nutritionists who are unfortunately taught by the guidelines of the fda and the people who make up the food charts and all that It's a circular problem because you're teaching the wrong shit because, again, we've railed about how, you know, myplate.org, 75% of what they want you to eat is carbohydrates. And it's not like they're putting out separate guidelines for this is what diabetics should be eating. This is what, um, you know, hypertensive should be eating. Da, 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 da. No, it's a blanket. Here's what you should eat as, as part of a healthy diet. The problem is it's not healthy. Okay. It's the standard American diet. Sad. Because it is really fucking sad that they think 75% carbohydrates is the proper way to fuel your body. They are truly happily contributing to the obesity and death epidemic that we're seeing in our country i know water's fucking wet phoenix much like this next uh well yeah that too it's the only part of my diet i can really stick to Jeez, yeah i I haven't seen a sweet and low ad in fucking probably since that ad came out i mean it's it's, like and honestly knowing what i know about that shit because i used to consume sweet and low I i much like the propaganda you are basically told like, hey, look, this is better for you than real sugar. So you're like, oh, let me do that. Oh, sweet and low. I'm going to lose weight. Yeah, no, you're fucking not. You're going to end up with cancer. Yes, exactly. So now uh, you may think that artificial sweeteners can help you lose some weight, but a new study finds they are no good for your gut's microbiome. And I can tell you because uh, I just I discovered that aspartame gives me the shits. So uh, that's one of it. That caused me to stop consuming it. Um, you know, I, had, I did a few experiments on myself and, and yeah, and, it, and it's like, yeah, I can't I can't consume that anymore. So um, now the people who use aspartame, or, you know, otherwise known as equal sucralose, which is uh, sold as Splenda, saccharin, which is sweet and low or stevia leaf extract tended to have intestinal bacteria colonies that differed significantly from those of people who didn't use sugar substitutes researchers found now i do want to point out something really quick because the stevia leaf it is a natural plant and it is sweet where the problem comes in with the stevia is when you turn it into that white powder the chemical transformation that you're putting it through yes you still have the sweetness but it chemicalizes it so the only true way to consume stevia where it's not going to harm you would be, excuse me, would be to grow it, dry it, 
crush it up and use it like a tea to sweeten whatever liquid you need to sweeten. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I would say you probably could uh, distill it yourself where mix the stevia leaf with water, turn it into a, a sort of syrup and then uh, dry it to a crystalline consistency. That's all I can really advise if you're trying to stay pure with the stevia leaf but all the rest of that shit and i can tell you from experience the sucralose the splenda because the ex and i did the splenda thing that shit made my stomach hurt so bad it was like my body was rejecting it like oh this is poison get it out of me so just don't just just don't y'all no no fake sugar I mean, I know we rail against sugar, but you're going to hear your girl tell you, I would rather see you find folks eat real sugar than any fake product out there. You're harming yourself worse. And just, just don't. Yeah, exactly. Now, they had rich colonies of bacteria in their small intestines, or even worse, higher levels of bacteria that churn out harmful toxins. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I can tell you what, what comes out when, what comes out when after I have a have a little bit of aspartame. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's, it's pretty fucking toxic. I can tell you. You know that. what I think we need to do? I think we need to get the clip of uh, Carlin doing. Never mind. Yeah, we probably because you talk about shit way more than a normal human being, sir. <clears throat> Now, more than 140 million Americans use artificial sweeteners to lower their sugar intake, researchers said in background notes. However, sure, concerns have been raised that sugar substitutes don't help with long-term weight loss. I, and I can tell you they don't from what I, from my own experience, and might be tied to an increased risk of type 2 diabetes and heart disease, researchers said. By the way, the... Wow. I, tell me that is not some serious irony that these things that you're supposed to be using when you're a diabetic and to lower your sugar intake could literally be causing you to be a worse diabetic and for your heart disease to get worse that i'm sorry that's delicious irony exactly now the now the gut the gut microbiome plays a key role in a person's health and diet can influence the makeup of the back of these bacteria in significant ways so in a controlled study researchers analyzed the microbial diversity of the small intestine in people who used artificial sweeteners, including nine who used aspartame and 35 who, who used other sugar substitutes. So okay, I'm so, surprised it wasn't 33. Yes. They compared the gut mi bi microbiome of those patients to a group of 55 people who didn't use artificial sweeteners. Now we found that the richness of the bacteria in the small bowel was less in those subjects consuming non-aspartame, non-sugar sweeteners when compared with controls. Whereas the bacterial richness in those consuming aspartame was similar to controls, the study author said. Now, however, that didn't, that didn't mean that aspartame users were better off. Their microbiomes were more likely to churn out a toxin called uh, uh, silen uh, drops uh, dropspermopsin. Yeah, there's a toxin. Hello. Yes, I'm sure that uh, what comes out of my ass is pretty toxic when I have aspartame. So, I'm, Yeah, that's why you don't do it. That's why I don't do it. Um, but you might do this next thing. Shark yeah, um, in fact, I have done it. I've actually, so I've actually, uh, when uh, I, I, I used to. Wim Hof, motherfucker. Yeah, Wim Hof, motherfucker. That's right. Breathe, motherfucker. Now, when it comes to workout cooldowns, some people take the idea seriously by dunking themselves in an ice bath. <clears throat> like I said, I've done it. It is a. <clears throat> Quite a, quite a, quite an experience, uh, and you, you do get used to it after a while. Now, celebrities like Kim and Courtney Kardashian and Drake try this type of cold water therapy at a luxury wellness club, and you can even buy an ice bathtub for your home. I've seen some of these things; they're fucking expensive. It's like it's for a tub of ice. Jesus Christ! You know, better. Here's an idea: 
Get an entire freezer devoted to nothing but making ice cubes and then run yourself a cold water bath. <gasps> you just saved yourself a ton of money. You're welcome. <laughs> Yes, we, we have we have a nice ice machine to do that, too, even if we wanted to. Uh, yeah, I can picture us putting the Sonic-sized ice cubes in the bathtub. That's only going to take about 50 bags. Yeah, we'll have that done in about a week. Yeah, exactly. So driving this interest is the idea that ice baths can help reduce pain, particularly after exercise. But despite their growing popularity, no amount of time in an ice bath can heal the body alone, said Rui Lee, associate uh, clinical professor and director of the Exercise Science Program at Northeastern University. Now, these chili dips can be helpful in easing inflammation, especially after a workout, though users uh, should proceed with caution. Now, ice baths should be combined with getting sufficient sleep, proper nutrition, and stretching after a workout to help truly aid in recovery. Now, there are also limits to how long people should soak. Even if some people can stand uh, being, uh, uh, you know, um, being in the cold water for long periods, I think Wim Hof, uh, Lee recommends spending no more than 10 to 15 minutes in an ice bath. Now, when the body's exposed to cold temperatures, there's a psychological reaction, Lee explains. Blood vessels constrict. It's a physiological reaction, actually. A physiological, yes. Yeah, so blood vessels constrict, lowering the blood flow to the skin and redirecting it to the vital organs to keep the body going. The cardiovascular system goes into overdrive trying to heat itself, resulting in shivering. Now, um, now some. And unfortunately, if you do not have a, a strong cardiovascular system, you can literally put yourself into a dysrhythmia, which can lead to death yeah. if not treated in a uh, proper amount of time. Yeah. So now some research shows that after emerging from an ice bath, blood flow increases throughout the body, leading to better muscular recovery. Now the body also releases stress hormones, which increase heart rate and breathing levels. Now here's... here's I think there's something to that, phone boy, and I'll tell you why I say that. Because, you know, we're huge football fans. And I know many football players, even high school football players, that the first thing that they do after the game is jump in an ice bath or after a particularly intense workout. There may be something to it. I'm not saying don't do it. I mean, Wim Hof for the win, but make sure that your cardiovascular system can handle that icy dip. Because you don't want it to be an icy tomb. Yeah, you do have to. You do have to pay attention to, to, to things, right? I mean, this is this is you know. So it's you, you pay attention to your body, pay attention to your uh, thing. And I now I've you know, and I've done. Let's see, I've done ice baths. I've also walked around in the snow in bare feet, right? And I did this in, in Wisteria Lane. I haven't done this here because it really hasn't. Have, we haven't had enough snow here to really even go out and play in it much. Like a, you know, and of course, of course, when it is when it does snow here, it's fucking cold. I don't really want to go outside. Well. Duh, they call that winter. I know you're not used to it being from the PN dub and originally from Cali, but jeez. Yeah, well, I know. Yeah, I, I didn't move this. I didn't move to the south to be this fucking cold, right? Yeah, so. and I I can tell you something else that uh, is really fucking cold is the hearts of this uh, association here. I think we need to. I think you need to turn up your clips a little bit. Your clips are. Your, yeah, your, I can your, do your, that. You need to. You need to make sure that it is a. You know, that make sure that we're firing here because it is. A, you know, the, the clips are coming in a little quiet. But well, that clip is actually quiet to be yeah, honest. Uh, it could be. Yeah. So society seems addicted to sugar. No, no shit, right? But individuals who consume large quantities increase their risk of obesity and other health problems. Problem is, is sugar's in fucking everything. Now, can warning labels on sweets curb consumption? Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Again, I would like to introduce you to the Department of Water is Fucking Wet. If you consume large quantities, of course you're going to uh, increase your risk of obesity and other health problems. What? I mean, 
You've got to be kidding me. How can they literally have printed that? I, I'm having the RCA dog moment. You'll excuse me. Exactly. Now, um, so researchers at the University of Göttingen uh, have investigated how, how such labels can influence purchasing behavior. And I'd like to point out the fact that, I don't know, it's been at least almost a year that I've been touting the fact that sugar should come with a warning label. Anything that contains sugar should come with a warning label. And that in Mexico, that is exactly what they do is have warning labels on things that contain sugar. I mean, a third world fucking country gets it and the Americas don't question mark. Or could it be the fucking Satan? Yeah, we need that clip, too. But uh, could it be the big money grab of the sugar association that controls, oh, I don't know, fucking everything? Yeah, possibly. But uh, so um, anyway, so the results show that warnings in the form of images in combination with text can persuade people to buy fewer sugary treats or even to avoid them altogether. Shocking images similar to those on cigarette packs are the most effective. Participants in the study who were confronted with such warnings were less willing to buy sweets. Okay, wait a minute. When have you ever seen a shocking image on a cigarette pack? In Canada. Okay, because I was going to say, here in America, the most shocking thing you're going to see is a fucking camel, maybe? Like, come on, there's nothing shocking about a pack of cigarettes except for the fucking price tag nowadays yeah exactly uh you know but yeah i've it, it's uh you know i mean i've actually yeah because i because i've uh you know I've, I've been around the world and obviously here they just have the little surgeon general's warning that you know yeah, I love, which I love, by the way nobody I love the gives a fuck about yeah i love the little surgeon if, if, if you ever so there was a, there were, in, in, in idiocracy there was a there was a um you know that that, that uh, you know they, they, I got I have to look this up because this was uh, uh, this was uh, it, it was in it was in it was on a billboard in Idiocracy it was for it was for a cigarette brand called Tarleton's right okay so I get it's I get I've got to I've got to find it because you it, picked the weirdest time to do shit I it, swear yeah, to God but it's a, but I th- it's kind of funny because it is a, yeah I don't I'll have to look it up at some point but anyway the, the basically the, the it still it had, it had the same little kind of warning you know um, you know on there but not quite exactly the same but it's basically you know something something snarky but it's but yeah basically like yeah those little warnings don't do any good in fact there's probably even some you know there's I've I thought I've seen some stuff that suggests that some of those some of those pictures are like yeah I want to do that I want to avoid that you know so you do it you know has the opposite effect it makes you want to do it more it's Adam has talked about it I know on no agenda but the, you know, when, when we're doing that. So, uh, it, but it, yeah, it's, so I don't know. I don't know if the, the, the images are going to do it, but. So, yeah, I mean, the images probably are not, I mean, if, especially at this point, everybody is so addicted to sugar. You could literally put a big ass blood and gore fucking photograph and there would be macabre motherfuckers out there clearing the shelves of these particular items. Now, the results of this uh, particular thing were published in the journal BMC Public Health. The researchers carried out an online survey in Germany, collecting responses from over a thousand people over the age of 18 were who were part of a sample. Well, look at that. <laughs> Approximately representative of the German population. Oh, I find that entertaining. Over a thousand people over eighteen, and that's uh, representing the po- the entire population of a country that has a population of what? 
That's that's insane. But anyway, so the respondents indicated how they perceived different types of warnings about short-term health consequences, such as tooth decay, or more long-term consequences, such as obesity and type 2 diabetes. Warnings about short-term health problems attracted more attention. And this may be because the consequences are more immediate. According to Dr. Clara Mealhouse at Gutgen University Marketing for Food and Agricultural Products Group, and the first author of the study. Now, warnings are therefore worthwhile. However, their designs require a careful approach, emphasizes Mealhouse. Our results show that warnings are more effective when they use emotional and already familiar symbols or images that are culturally understood. Shocking images and red stop signs have a particularly strong influence on purchasing decisions. Dr. Arch Rhesus from the same research group at Goitgen University and study lead adds, we have succeeded in narrowing down and better understanding different reactions and defensive behavior in relation to health warnings. The study provides important insights for the development of strategies that promote healthy eating and thus improve public health. Now, further studies will show the impact of health warnings together with other health measures, such as a sugar tax. Well, that's interesting because I believe back in days of or your England had a sugar tax. Did they not, Phone Boy? Uh, yeah, I think they. Yeah, I think Gary, uh, Gary yeah. Tobbs mentions it in the case against sugar. Yeah, I think they talk about. Yeah, they talk about it. They, they, I think they, there was. We've even done a story on it or something. Now, I did finally find this image from the. the, the, the I'll put in the show notes here. This is this is the war. This is the Surgeon General's warning on the uh, that was in. The, the, there's a there's a cigarette ad that's in Idiocracy and it and and the ad says if you don't smoke uh, Charlton's, fuck you. Right. That sounds about right. Right. And then this billboard sign says, okay, so there, and so and the warning on that billboard for cigarettes has evolved to warning the surgeon. General has one lung and a voice box, but he can still kick your sorry ass. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yes, I, I figured that it was it was worth bringing up. Very much worth finding, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure how worthwhile this next story is. Watch out where the huskies go, don't you eat that yellow snow? Yeah, we are. Yes. Uh, so um, urine color can change due to hydration, diet and medication. But among the average healthy person, it's a shade of yellow. Now, according to a new study published this week in Nature Microbiology, researchers have finally uncovered a longstanding mystery. What, well, what leads to that yellow color? Now, researchers have found an enzyme called bilirubin uh, reductase, uh, which, uh, yeah, which gives urine its yellow color. Now, these results could be used to help study the links between gut micro microbiome and health conditions such as jaundice and inflammatory bowel disease. Uh, as the red blood cells degrade, the pigment bilirubin is created as a byproduct. Now, bilirubin is released in the gut to be excreted, but it's possible to be reabsorbed. Now, if the bilirubin uh, builds up in the blood, uh, then, uh, you know, then, then, then that's when you get that, you know, that's when it leads to jaundice where the skin and eyes turn yellow. Right? Uh, I had that when I was a baby. Yeah. So for more than 125 years, experts have known that compounds in the gut turn bilirubin into the compound urobilin, which is the pigment that results in yellow urine. But what they didn't know was that what enzyme or collection of enzymes turned bilirubin into uh, urorubin or in that. Yeah. <laughs> Eurobillion. So gut microbes encode the enzyme bilirubin reductase that converts bilirubin into a colorless byproduct called urobilinod. What the fuck? Eurobilinogen. Some of these terms, good God. 
Now, the study author explained in a statement that urobilinogen then spontaneously degrades into a molecule called urobilin, which is responsible for the yellow color we're all familiar with. Researchers discovered that bilirubin reductase is present in nearly all healthy adults, but not in newborns and adult individuals with inflammatory bowel disease. Well, that's kind of interesting. IBD, you don't have that. Wow. So these results may be useful in learning more about the gut microbiome and health conditions such as jaundice and irritable, or I'm sorry, inflammatory bowel disease. This is actually pretty good. I'm, I'm glad they're actually doing this. I mean, I picked on the story, but ultimately it is kind of interesting to know why your pee is yellow. And I know that it's definitely a subject of concern depending on how dark that shade is. I've actually seen in places that I've gone, uh, different bathrooms, where they'll have a chart on the wall to let you know like look if your pee is this color you need to get some hydration if it's this color you're okay blah 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 yeah exactly and then so you know it's it's interesting you know of course they're also yeah they're trying to figure this out of course the other clip i could have played here was from bear whiz beer it's in right. the water. That's why it's yellow. You know, but uh, right. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, I think uh, we all got one of these. Neocortex frontal lobe. Brainstem. Brainstem. Hippocampus neural node. Right hemisphere. Yes. Catchy little jingle, yes. isn't it? Uh, yeah. And, and we might I might play that if if Rev does not come through when we get to that segment, I may uh, I may actually play the whole song. It's. Well, you might just do it in Studio Thirty Three, even if he does come through. That's true. Uh, I probably will. In fact, a lot. Yeah, we've 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 used clips from a few songs in in, in today's show, and we'll, I'm sure we'll probably play them in Studio Thirty Three as we usually Correct. do. Yeah. So since their discovery in the 1990s, the head direction cells in the brain have been referred to as its internal compass. These cells are activated when the head of an animal or human points in a certain direction and are thought to be important for spatial orientation and navigation. Now, a team of neuroscientists at the University of Tübingen. Uh, has discovered that head direction cells in mice do more than this. They may be involved in relaying sensory and emotional information that is used to form memories of experiences called episodic memory. Now, the research team, led by Professor Andrea uh, Bergalosi from the Institute of Neurobiology and the Werner Reichart Center for Integrated Neurosciences, uh, have published their study in the journal Nature Neuroscience. In order to understand more precisely where the sensory information uh, enters uh, the hippocampus, the, the research team focused on one of its main input structures in the brain, the anterior thalamus. Uh, I don't think the thal well was thalamus in that song. I think it was. We'll find out when we play it. When we play we'll it, find it. out when we play it. Yeah, we have known for decades that this area is crucial for episodic memory. Patients with damage to this region of the brain suffer from memory loss. Said Dr. Patricia uh, Preston uh, Fer uh, Ferrer, one of the lead authors of the study. Now, when the scientists first recorded the activity of nerve cells in the anterior thalamus of rodents in the 1990s, they discovered the head direction cells were located there. Uh, previously, it was assumed that these only encoded the animal's heading direction in its experiment, said Preston Ferrer. But now our latest experiments show that this idea provides an incomplete picture. When the Tubingen uh, research team recorded the electrical activity in the mouse brain, they found that the head direction cells in the thalamus became active when they exposed the mouse 
to sensory stimuli. Now, in the case of a sound being played, as well as in the case of a tactile whisker on the mouse's snout being touched, only the head direction cells were activated specifically and reliably and with a remarkably short delay, says a researcher and co-author of the study, uh, uh, GUSB uh, uh, Balsamo. We were surprised, as it had been assumed for decades, that these neurons were unresponsive uh, to sensory uh, uh, stimuli. Now, in the case of a sound being played, as well as in the case of a tactile whisker on the mouse's snout being touched, only the head direction cells were activated. I already read that. So um, the experiments revealed that in the anterior thalamus, only the head direction cells responded to sensory stimuli. Now, this tells us that the head direction cells must have a special function, said the researcher and co-author Dr. Edward Blanco Hernandez. Now, the function must go beyond acting as an internal compass. Uh, The head direction cells also responded with increased activity to arouse states, including social contacts, such as encountering another mouse. It's known that close attention and emotions have a great influence on the formation of memories and their quality. Yes, I think, you know, we, you know, we talk about uh, how um, songs trigger certain feelings all the time. We've That's been, right. Yeah. And memories. Yeah, exactly. And we've got, yeah, we, we've, we've been encountered a few of those recently, too. Uh, so, um, you know, all in all, the, 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 the results indicate that head direction cells in the thalamus might constitute a key gateway for sensory attention and arousal information entering the episodic memory system. But of course, you know, more research is needed. Yeah, of course. Yeah, this, but there this, it is. There it is. So you know, they 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 don't know, right? That's that's basically what that my article says. We we think it's this, but we need to but we need to know more. Which is, uh, you know, yeah, we we as we know is is code word for yeah, you know, they don't, they don't really know. So that's exactly what it is. All right. Well, and th- it's it's time to get happy, motherfuckers. The key to life is a penis in your asshole. And this is actually a great story. A little girl whose parents were told she would never walk it is now running around like the other five-year-olds after receiving emergency spinal surgery while still in the womb. This miracle of modern medicine was available to first-time parents Georgia Axford and Tyler Kelly, then just 19 and 21. Wow, that's early time to have a kid. They were told that their unborn baby had spina bifida after an ultrasound at 20 weeks. Now, the condition causes weakness or paralysis in the lower limbs, and the parents were told it would likely is likely their child wouldn't walk. Now the couple decided to travel to Germany for treatment, and uh, which saw the unborn baby operated on the womb at the cost of just nine thousand euros, or around eleven thousand five hundred dollars. Now Piper Cole Kelly was then born healthy in July 2018 and named after surgeon Dr. Thomas Cole. Now, five days, or now five, she can walk and run, and recently took part in her school sports day. Now, seeing her run on the tracks was amazing. I never thought she'd be able to do something like that, said Georgia. Sometimes it doesn't feel real. I think back to what we were told, and they were really negative about pipe. Piper's diagnosis. Now, spina bifida can leave sufferers dependent on supports or crutches, and in severe cases, they can be wheelchair-bound. Doctors were confident that this would be the case for Piper Cole. Now, uh, Georgia hails from South Yorkshire in the northeast of England. Now, for, for all the stress and negativity of the diagnosis, and even though Piper was induced at 32 weeks and sat on the neonatal intensive care unit for 52 days, they ended up getting the chance to live a normal life with from the same moment as other babies. Now, when she was around two, her physio gave her a walking frame. She doesn't use it anymore, but we have it in she needs the support, Georgia explains. She used it for about a year while she was starting to walk, but now she walks completely independently. She does get really tired and can't go for really long distances, but she does so well, especially considering what we were told, she said. Now, an additional heartwarming part of the story is that Piper's surgeon, Dr. Thomas Cole, is a family friend who receives routine updates about Piper's progress, with the two even sharing the same birthday, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's awesome. 
While the family's journey hasn't been easy by any means, Georgia and Tyler are filled with pride over their daughter's progress and are hoping to continue to witness the kind and caring girl do anything she puts her mind to. And it's a, it's a miracle that she's been through it and is who she is today. She's been through a lot in life, said Georgia. She loves coloring and anything to do with arts and crafts. She loves school and really has a good group of friends. She beats the odds all the time and, and whatever she does, uh, I'll be so proud of her. Yeah, That's so sweet. Yay. Yeah. Um, now this. I, is, need, I need to get the little girl yay clip. I really do. Yes, it exactly. Yeah, th this one though, it, it actually ties into a lot of what we've been talking about today. So in a world fraught with anxiety, stress, and environmental and humanitarian disasters, people are looking for ways to cope. Many have tried, or I'm sorry, many have turned to practices originating in ancient Eastern philosophies for guidance. Among these is mindfulness, which is linked to meditation. The original translation of the Pali word sati is remembering. It was about remembering your ethics, the right way to behave in each moment. It's shifted within the modern context and is usually translated as being conscious and aware of the present moment. The word I prefer to use is awareness. Yeah, and we were talking about that this morning, in fact. Uh, we were. Yeah, th there's a reason I, 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 I brought this up. So a mindful practice would be a way to bring you back to the present. You'd use your senses, your breath, and your body as in a yoga practice. And to be mindful is to be present, to be open. You're not trapped in the past or the future. And I think that's really important uh, because... Uh, um, you know, and that helps to calm you down because a lot of the depression and depressive thoughts are linked to the past and things that we regret. And a lot of the anxiety is linked to the future. And again, we were talking about this this morning. It was, um, you know, one of the, you know, we talk about, you know, we, we talk a lot about being present, staying present, and there's research on these particular tendencies. If people experience a lot of anxiety, it's often that their minds in the future worrying about what will happen next. And the same thing for depression. The mind goes back into the past and goes into ruminating cycles of things that have happened or that we've done wrong or we perceived as having done wrong. The present moment frees you from those aspects. Your attention is focused on exactly what's here and now. Within that, you can bring a sense of discernment. Mindfulness is often achieved through meditation, a practice of sitting still and focusing the mind on the senses or the breath. But we can also remain mindful throughout the day. I think the word habit is a really good one. To make your meditation as familiar as a practice as brushing your teeth or having a shower, it's mental hygiene. Make, a make it a daily practice at a particular time of the day. This helps and it's less negotiable. As soon as we start negotiating with ourselves, oh, should I practice? Shouldn't I practice? Yeah, we'll often default to the less healthy habit, like scrolling the internet or watching repetitive news stories. Or listening to crappy podcasts. Or listening to crappy podcasts like this one. So insight practices help us gain an understanding of our own habits. If you tend to find yourself in a state of depression or anxiety, just bring your mind back to the present again and again. And it'll help to shift you out of those tendencies. Now, we often don't believe it's as simple as that, but it's amazing how much support we can give ourselves just by coming back to the present moment. 
And of course, if we have experienced traumatic incidences, these practices are best done in parallel with psychotherapy. There's also practices for cultivating positive pro-social qualities such as curiosity, wonder, compassion, joy, and gratitude, which are innate aspects of being human. The mind has a negativity bias. It likes to learn quickly, so it tends to learn from negative experiences. But we have many wonderful experiences as well. So training the mind to focus on gestures of care that people show us every day, even if it's just being led into traffic or someone making you a cup of tea, it opens the mind to gratitude, appreciation, and wonder. And anger is often a result of fear. Now, I know that to be a totally true statement. And I've even identified that a lot of times my anger is rooted in fear when it appears. So we go into a fight or flight mode and hurt is a result of sadness. So we don't need to demonize any of our difficult emotions. Use them to gather information. What am I feeling in this moment? What do I need? And it's funny because you and I do that all the time, phone boy, where if we're feeling a certain way, we will analyze it and ask, does this belong to me? Yes or no. If it does, then okay, we dig a little deeper to find out where is it rooted. And if it doesn't, we just let it pass through. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when we were, we, we were, you know, we, we were having, uh, you know, we're having some personal time this morning and, and we, uh, you know, and I think, and, and, you know, part of, what what you and I personally do, you know, when we're we're not necessarily bumping uglies, but we're but we're but we are spending no, time. No, we're to get... literally just laying yeah. in each other's arms, talking about who knows what. Yeah, but it, when when one you know, this is one of those sometimes when you know you get into that sort of you know you get into the, maybe a not so great headspace, but it's it's the, it's the touching, it's the you know it's the, it's the it's the caressing, and we and we talked about and it. And it's not even touching in the no no zones. Yeah, you know, it's it's a gentle caress on on your cheek or you know on the small of your back, just something that conveys to you how I'm feeling or conveys to me, you know, how you're feeling. There's that connection. I think everyone needs a connection like that. I mean, not necessarily on an intimate level, but it would, you know, it's, there's a reason why, you know, when you're talking to someone in a particularly awkward situation of uncomfortable stress, maybe loss, you know, it, uh, situational appropriate, but you'll put your hand on someone's knee or you'll hold their hand in your hand, maybe in both of your hands. Touch is such an essential part of being human and connecting with other humans. It, it's a nonverbal way to communicate. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about that. I mean, I mean, I, we were talking about this, um, you know, just like the last time I encountered my, you know, the last time I saw my dad, we, he, he, I was, it was, he was, his brain state at that point, because the, the brain cancer pretty much took it over and he was not able to speak at that point. He was, so the only way I, I, I couldn't communicate with him in any sort of meaningful way, except, uh, except for that. And it was a real, it's, like I said, it's real important, um, you know, all of that stuff. And then sometimes it's, you know, and it, we used it as a way to kind of, if we were, you know, we were talking about something that was not, was, uh, that's been kind of, uh, kind of been a problem. And we, you know, it was like, okay, we can't do anything about this right now, but we're here. And I love Well, you I mean, and, and, I can, you know, all that. 
Yes. I can, you know, I, I don't mind, you know, telling part of the story <laughs> that I was, I was just kind of struggling with the aspects of doing the show and, you know, the way, the way we do the show to where one person isn't necessarily doing more than the other, you know, phone boy will go through the stories, you know, a little side digression here, phone boy will go through the stories and then I will come up with the clips. He helps me with some of the clips, you know, because maybe he's got a idea or whatever. And then, you know, my part of doing the chapters and also cooking the dinner. So it, it balances out so that not one person is doing more than the other. But I was having a hell of a time just trying to establish what I wanted to do uh, as far as for making dinner and I also just, my energy wasn't right. And it's like, I know we need to do the show and we will do the show. I'm not going to leave you hanging as has happened in a couple of episodes that have never and will never see the light of day. But I just wasn't feeling it. And it was amazing how just having him have his arms around me and rubbing my shoulder or caressing, you know, my face it helped to balance my energy where I could think clearly and come up with a solution to how do I improve the energy to do the show? What am I going to make for dinner? And it's, it's just amazing. I love the fact that I have someone who understands my needs on all levels and, and I his. Just a little side digression there, y'all. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and, and so it is, yeah. And I think it's, um, you know, and this is something I've had to, you know, I've, I've, I've learned. It's like, yeah, when you're, when you're all emotional about your shit, sometimes you can't see things as they should, as they're, you know, as they need to be seen. Right. Because it's sometimes, it, sometimes all you need on an issue is just a different perspective. Right. And, and to get out of your own fucking head. I think I've said that to somebody recently, uh, but it's, it is truly what you, you know, and that's, you know, we're trying to do is, you know, trying to get out of your own head and realize that, yeah, you know, the past, the past has, a lot of stress in it. The future, you know, the, the uncertain future has a lot of, you know, that, that presents a certain amount of stress, but you don't need to worry about those things because those things are going to handle themselves right now. We got it. We got it going on. You know, we really do. We really do. And you know, who else has got it going on is, uh, this person in this next story right here. Okay, so among the oldest video games in society, and I, I remember, God, I played this on, I played many versions of this Tetris. Hell yeah. <clears throat> has never, had never been beaten before by a human. Well, until now. Now, nearly 40 years after its development, an Oklahoma teen is believed to be the first person in history to ever beat Tetris, which for those gamers in the reading audience occurs when the blocks fall so fast and the mechanism for keeping score records uh, nine, 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 six nines, by the way, uh, points for so long that the low-tech hardware can't continue to process and the game freezes. Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, now, previously, only AI or simply bot programs have been able to cause the game to reach its freeze point. But according to the classic Tetris World Championship, 13-year-old Will, uh, Willis Gibson is the first person to ever provide proof that their human eyes, brain, and fingers achieve this. Known by his gamer tag, Blue, Blue Scooty, Gibson recorded the event and posted it on YouTube on Tuesday. He starts the game and plays for 38 minutes until level 157 when the blocks are whizzing down so fast he barely had time to think. Now, after 38 minutes, he can be heard saying, oh, I missed it, believing he lost his chance after a misplaced block scuttled the pattern of blocks he was building up. Then the game freezes and poor Gibson starts to hyperventilate with excitement, saying, oh, my God, I'm going to pass out. I can't feel my hands. It's never been done by a human before. 
It's basically something that everyone thought was impossible till a couple years ago. Vince Clemente, the president of the Classic Tetris World Championship, told the New York Times. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, sh- yeah, I mean, well, good for him, I guess. I mean, I okay, but my question is this: How do we know it wasn't just a? Ra- okay, I'm not going to say how do we know it wasn't, but what if? It was just a random fucking glitch and he didn't actually beat the game. That would that would just suck. Yeah, I'm curious what he played it on. The article doesn't say, but uh, no, it doesn't. But Uh, but I I do know that it is time for uh, the cavalcade of stupidity. Hidey ho, pedal heads, and welcome to Sir Reverend Cybertrucker's Cavalcade of Stupidity. And since I'm MIA, here's Phone Boy to take over. Yes, I am. And so I said what I was going to do was I was because I was trying to figure because I had a feeling we were I was going to need to uh, pinch hit for for Rev again, uh, which I don't have a problem doing because I know a fuck uh, I know a fucked and a lots of demented stuff. But I'm going to so I'm going and you know yeah, hold, hold on a second. Hold it. Wait, yeah, Rev. Rev does this yeah. as a form of value for value. Yes, he does. And and as much as, you know, we we have it weekly as a segment in the show, he's not under any obligation to do this. This is more than unbelievably appreciated as far as we are concerned. We love Rev. And on the weeks when things just don't go to script and he's not able to get one in, it's okay. Matter of fact, he even, as you heard, made a jingle for, you know, opening for the weeks when shit goes tits up and he can't get it in. So thank you, Rev. Sir Rev Cybertrucker. Absolutely amazing man. And uh, on with the show. That's right. So, um, okay. So if you've never seen Pinky in the Brain, it's an American animated sitcom uh, created by Todd, uh, Todd, um, Tom Ruger for the kids WB programming block of the WB network way back in the, in the, and it was first animated television series to be presented in Dolby Surround in a collaboration of Steven Spielberg with his production company, Amblin Television and Warner Brothers Animation. Now, the, the, car- the characters first appeared in 1993 as a recurring segment on the animated television series Animaniacs. Now, um, now the interesting thing about Animaniacs is is that uh, so you, so you, you I, I play I play stuff by uh, Rock Sugar occasionally, right? Well, the lead singer for for Rock Sugar is a guy by the name of Jess Harnell who does some of the voices for uh, um, the uh, for uh, Animaniacs. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that it's, holy shit! Today I learned. Yeah, today you learn. That's right. So I loved Animaniacs. I watched the hell out of it. I'm a major uh, fan of <sighs> Pinky and the Brain. As a matter of fact. You and I are constantly doing Pinky in the Brain just in our everyday life. I mean, I would love, a, I mean, it sounds kind of arrogant, but I would absolutely love for a camera crew to follow us around for a week and just see that <clears throat> we're not just two people who put on some kind of like dumbass show on the, you know, inner tubes, if you will, every week. We truly do the silly shit that we talk about. We will. You know, I'll ask phone boy, you know, what he wants to do. And he'll bust off with some pinky in the brain shit. The same thing we do every day. Try to take over the world like stupid shit like that. Or any of the number of hundreds of of answers from the the question. Are you pondering what I'm pondering? Correct. On on top of the fact that there's times when um, like last night, (laughs) 
uh, song lyrics will be yeah. spouted so, to and fro for yeah. no good fucking reason. Now, now as later, now Animaniacs was later spun off as a series due to its popularity with 65 episodes produced. Now, the characters later appeared in the series Pinky Elmira in the Brain and have since returned to their roots as an Animaniacs segment in the 2020 revival of that series. I didn't realize that happened, I guess. Yeah. I didn't either. We should check this out. Yeah. So anyway, um, but uh, Pinky and the Brain are genetically enhanced laboratory mice who reside in a cage in the Acme Labs research facility. Now, Brain is highly intelligent, self-centered, and scheming, probably a narcissist also, while Pinky's a good-natured but feeble-minded. In each episode, Brain devises a new plan to take over the world, which ultimately ends in failure, usually due to the impossibility of Brain's plan, Brain's own overconfidence, and Pinky's bumbling and oversight on Brain's part, circumstances beyond their control or a combination thereof. In common with many other Animaniac shorts, many episodes are in some way a parody of something else, usually a film or a novel. Now, it's kind of like rodent keystone cops in a way. Yeah, but this is the but but the, the OK, so this this song. So now I, I used to watch Pinky in the Brain and and actually my now and, and, and unfortunately, this song does have a tie into my ex because when she 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 when she when she went to school as an occupational therapist, she had to take a, um, a physiology class. And this is and this is how they how they studied to uh, to remember all the parts of the brain is this song. So, hey, it works much like the uh, head, shoulders knees and toes or uh more better off you know thigh bone connected to the knee bone i can remember having to know all of the insertions and origins and attachments for the muscles going into massage therapy so i get if you can find a song that helps you to remember it and honestly i can say that you probably being of the same years i am don't tell me you did not use Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire to fucking pass at least one goddamn uh, world history or civics or something class. Come on. Um, yeah, I might, I might have. I, I can't remember. But um, anyway, I, I do remember. Wait, like I, I forget. You're three years older than I am, which means that around about the time that song came out, you might have actually been done with college or damn near. Yeah, exactly. So I can't, maybe I wish I had it. But anyway, I wish, but this song is, you know, is, again, it's, it's sung to a possibly recognizable You'll tune. like it, y'all. I love it. Neocortex frontal lobe. Hippocampus neural node, right hemisphere. Pons and cortex visual. Right Sylvian Fisher pineal, left hemisphere. Cerebellum left, cerebellum right. Synapse hypothalamus, striatum dendrite. On fibers matter gray. Central tegmental pathway, temporal lobe. White core matter for brain skull. Central fissure cord spinal, parietal. Piameter, meningeal vein, medulla oblongata and lobe limbic. Microelectrodes. The brain. That ought to keep the little squirts happy. Yeah. Yes, we love that song. Anyway, it does keep this little squirt happy. It does. All right. So now, uh, so now we have a we, so we have a, a jingle for uh, an old segment that we we still have. Yeah, I love that. That's like, right. Yeah. So now it is is, is the tales, tales from ride, ride share. So what? So what do you got this week, huh? Okay, so the first thing that I have is I had a writer who left a brand new 
I can only assume it was a Delta vape, but this thing was pretty fucking kicking. Brand new, never used, left it in my car, finders keepers, motherfuckers. And besides which, like, you don't call to report it, and I don't remember where the fuck I dropped you off. Sorry for your luck. But uh, I let my son try it, and he was like, oh yeah, Ma, this shit's like the real deal. It's really fucking good. So, you know, I made him give it back, because, you know, finders keepers. Oh, that's right. So it's nice to get that. Now, um, we actually, so I was on the phone with you last night when this uh, this next one came up here. This You were. Um, I picked up a couple who I arguably thought were, I thought he was maybe in his 30s. She was in her late 20s. Come to find out, he's like a year younger than me. She's basically the same age. And <clears throat> her father is from Dublin, Ireland. Has that great accent, the whole nine yards. She's, you know, been over there. Her whole family is over there. She apparently is the only one who's over here. Yet she doesn't have the accent. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge on nobody. But come to find out, he is in a band called 1916, which is a Irish punk rockabilly mashup type band. We're gonna play some of their stuff in Studio 33, but he's the guitarist for the band. And I told I gave him one of our business cards and told him that we were going to play some of his stuff because he I mean, he's been on Jimmy Fallon. OK, you know, he's semi famous, whatever. But you know what? I like introducing music to a new audience that may not be introduced to it otherwise. And I have the platform to do that via Studio 33. So God damn it. I'm half of this shit show and I'm going to do it. So y'all are going to hear some 1916 in the Studio 33 segment. Yes, yes, we are. And, and yeah, the, we played a song last night. It was pretty good. So I assume. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We, and so um, now what's not so great is what happened on the way home. Oh, my God. So I know there's going to be rain. The temperatures are going to be high enough. I don't got to worry about it turning to ice. So I worked a full night. I got home about three o'clock in the morning. Roughly about 30 minutes-ish before I got home, I'm driving and the rain's gotten pretty fucking heavy. And all of a sudden, there goes my fucking windshield wiper off the driver's side of the car. Thank God I had Rain-X wipers because Foam Boy is awesome. And it essentially put Rain-X on my windshield via using the wipers. So... When the wiper went bye-bye, and I'm really kind of pissed because the fucking wipers are expensive, but <laughs> thankfully, because the Rain-X had been wiped onto my windshield through the wipers, the beads of rain made it where I actually was able to drive home without the wipers scraping my windshield, et cetera, et cetera, and I could actually see. But it was definitely a fuck my life moment that I will not forget anytime soon, and I'm going to buy some wiper blades, have that. I might just buy another fucking brand new set, even though that one was only maybe a month or two old. Anyway, I'm going to have my dealership install them. Not because Phone Boy is not competent to install them, but because I want to make damn sure that it's done by a professional who doesn't drive a Prius. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, breaking nice. Breaking the balls. Right. Breaking the balls. All right. Well, also, um, you know, okay. So actually we now have, okay. So now, okay. Now so we've actually broken out the tales from rideshare, uh, into its own segment. It's not under toast and jam. And then when the toast and jam now has its own jingle. Well, I'm a bum in the sun and I'm having fun. And I know, you know, I got no special plans. 
love me a little DLR. Now, um, okay, so I got a couple things here. Uh, so uh, we're still looking for jingles to use for the when we play the music stream in the off hours. So you know something along the lines of we're li you're listening to the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy, or you know what, whatever you want to say about us uh, into an MP3. Uh, yeah, you can actually uh, uh, you you can send it to us an email. We're still looking for those things. Um, you know we uh, we are you know I want to yeah. However you want to phrase it that. You know, you're listening to the Lotus Effect, you're experiencing the Lotus Effect. Just include our names in it and include the name of the show. And we will put it in as a bumper during the live stream. Yes. Now, we also I, I had to I had to do this. Um, this this had I realized a couple shows ago that uh, so Lotus Effect chat was actually just a was a linking to um, uh, Kiwi IRC and their and their server. Now, it turns out that uh, a couple weeks ago, we discovered that uh, that that uh, the, the Kiwi uh, Kiwi IRC, that 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 server is no longer able to talk to zero node. It has actually been uh, looks like it has been blocked or banned or something. I'm not sure, but the point is, is that it no longer works. And so we actually have to, uh, so I decided, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to actually stand up, uh, a, a, a separate, uh, lounge server. We actually use lounge for IRC when, when the two of us, it's a, but it's a private server and I set up a public server actually somewhere else. And, and so the public server is, um, <clears throat> is what lotuseffect.chat goes to. So um, I've set that up. You can actually, and I've actually got it set up to do, uh, you, you can actually upload pictures and that kind of thing. So you, if you use that, you can actually share pictures with us, although I need to do a little bit more work to uh, have it. So it automatically purges the old pictures after a while kind of thing. So, but for the most, but at least it's set up and appears to be working. I've a custom, I still got to do, I'm still probably going to tweak it a little bit, but uh, you know, in terms of the, some of the configuration, but for the most part, it's, it seems to be working. I, I can see that uh, Mama T is in, uh, in our chat. So, uh, yeah, Nut Ned's in there too. Hey, Nam's here too. Yes, but I don't know if he's using. But I, but see, I, the thing is, is I think he's using an actual IRC client, whereas I know Mama's using uh, using our, uh, our 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 public lounge server. Uh, I can see based on where things are coming from. So. Um, <clears throat> Now, y'all, we got to talk about that. We got to talk about uh, what happened uh, this this week. So we had to go to um, we. So you and I had to go to uh, Nashville to to go to pick, pick my mom up from the airport. Yeah, and somebody got the bright idea. Said, "Hey, you know what? Since we got to go over there anyway, we can probably go to Costco." It uh, was me. It was you, and so so we said, "Okay." Now uh, we decided because normally we go to Cos Costco in Knoxville, right? Uh, but we this time was because we were going this to Nashville. This was an opportunity issue. Yeah, it was an opportunity issue. So since we're already having to make that drive anyway, and there's not going to be any work done, we decided, okay, well, we're we're going to actually get a Costco over there. And we went to the Costco in Brentwood. Right, which and, is a rich suburb of Nashville. Yeah, otherwise I it's, it's I would I would call it you know it's it's you know it's 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 our version of Wisteria Lane Costco. Yes, exactly. So, and I figured that would be a good one because I you know like I know I know the Costco you know the Costco in Gig Harbor was pretty was uh, I I liked that Costco quite a bit uh, and but I know everyone was different and so anyway we so um I so saw this is so this is where I think you need to weigh in, honey. I think this is the uh, because this is where things get well, a little interesting. All right, so arguably, we did not have time to fuck around with trying to find a parking spot. And I was, I, it was a dick move. I'll, I'll, I will just, I will just say it was a dick move on my part. We saw a parking spot <clears throat> and I saw that there was a vehicle that looked like it was waiting for that parking spot. Here's the difference. Did not have a signal light on. 
till it saw us pull around and get ready to poise for that spot that he all of a sudden puts a signal light on. So the vehicle that pulled out of the space made it where we had the ability to slide into that spot, but it blocked the other person from kind of racing us for it. So, oh yeah, I told phone boy to take that spot, bet your ass. Here's where it gets good, y'all. The person, and I use that term loosely, who was driving the vehicle parked his fucking vehicle behind our car, got out, starts knocking on phone boy's window and calling him douchebag because I've got my tech douchebag shirt on. So it's like, oh, wow. You know, you can fucking you can read. Congratulations. This asshole won't let phone boy out of the car. He's literally fucking, you know, at his door. And that's when I went off. I flew out of my side of his car like a fucking trunk monkey. And I started going hard on this dude. Told him he better get the fuck away from the car right now. He's like, whoa, what? You want to hit me? I'm like, no, I'm going to call the fucking cops on you. Oh, for what? I'm like, you're being threatening, first of all. I'm like, you need to get the fuck back. And I mean, his mouth is just going, going, going. And I'm just walking the fuck away from him because I'm not, you know, you're not that important. Like, get the fuck over yourself. It's a parking spot. So I signaled the phone boy to come with me and we walked and, you know, there was a couple more exchanges of some very colorful language, which I don't give a flying fuck. You don't know who I am. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not the one motherfucker. I'm not the one because if he had laid one hand on phone boy or me, I would have taken him the fuck apart and I would have gotten arrested. And I know this and nah, you're not going to be aggressive over a parking spot, dude. I mean, kudos to his wife or whoever she was. She just sat in the car, said nothing, did nothing. She was probably kind of feeling like, dear fucking God, just get back in the vehicle and let's fucking go. But she had total poise, like absolute respect for her, even if I did call her a fucking slut cunt, but whatever. Um, She did nothing. She sat in the vehicle. He was the fucking aggressive moron who came out the vehicle like he was going to do something. And when he met Phoenix, yeah, I think it scared him. I think he peed in his pants a little bit because he did not expect me to come the fuck out that car. And he did not expect me to be as controlled as I was with what I did. I had absolutely no intention of laying hands on the dude unless he fucked around and found out, which thankfully for him, he did not. Yeah. Well, the other kind of okay. So then we go into Costco, right? And, and you know, in Costco, we, we had a little bit of a time constraint because we we got there and you know we held, we 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 did it before we picked up your mom. So yeah, we was racing the clock. We were racing the clock a little bit. It, it turned. It actually worked out okay. So however, we get to the checkout stand and 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 one of the checkers uh, has my son's name, Jaden, right? And um, it was a female checker. However, it was a female checker. Right? Yeah. So however, it was spelled exactly the same the same way, right? And 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 actually. Um, you know, and so it actually we were t- we, we actually had uh, we were talking to them about what had happened in the parking lot and the, or the, or the you know, the, 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 yes. the other checker that who uh, whose name I don't remember. But anyway, that the no, but he was a lovely gentleman, but he was a lovely gentleman. And so we, we just, he, he said that that was actually a fairly common occurrence at that Costco. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Kind of makes me not want to go to that Costco again, if I'm honest, because I don't have a reason to want to have to. There are several others in the Nashville area that I can go to yeah. and probably have a lot less bullshit. Yes. But I mean. Over a fucking parking spot. Okay, now... Yeah, now. That, that was what really got me was over a parking spot. Look, 
you want to roll down your window and cuss me out, this, that, and the other thing, that's fine. You cross a line when you get out of your fucking vehicle and engage at my vehicle. That's where you've crossed the fucking line. And I can assure you, folks, had I had my nine on me, I'm not going to tell you that I would have hesitated to rest my hand on it. And I don't care if he felt intimidated. Let him call a fucking cop. I've got a fucking concealed carry permit. On top of which, you came at my car in a threatening manner. I did not pull my weapon. I simply rested my hand on it. And that is what I would stand behind. Because unless you give me a reason, I'm not gonna. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, okay, so then we, okay, anyway, then we decide that, okay, because, so. Well, we had previously decided that because of what time it was going to be by the time we got home, we were like, why don't we just stop at B-dubs on the way through? Because we like B-dubs and, you know, it. there's stuff there that we can eat. So. Yes. And so, and, and, and who, who is our server? But my daughter, Gracie, not no, well, she's not actually my daughter, name. but the, the name. Yeah, she meant again. And we just looked at each other and went, oh, the universe has a fucking sense yeah, of humor, I, doesn't it? I, I literally just kind of fell sideways in the booth. I'm like, that's it. I'm done. Stick a fucking fork in me. And I, now, I will also say without without going into specific. Well, I'll go into one specific. But there's there, there's been a couple of instances this last week where, yes, I've been reminded of my ex. Now, it probably doesn't also doesn't help that that in the in the college football playoff, the the national championship is uh, Michigan and Washington. Now, my 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 uh, ex went to UW. She she got two. She got two useless degrees and spent six years there. The degrees are as useless as she is. Yeah, well, they they match. But so I've had a lot of I've had a lot of uh, I don't know. Yeah, reminded. neither one work. Yeah, exactly right. Now, of course, that also leads into something very important that uh, that that this is this is the two year anniversary of, and I think it's uh, and I and I need to recognize it. So two so uh, two years ago, um, you know, I I. I I, I passed the point of no return and I, you know, and I, I, I did, I, you know, and I, I did something that, that, that I think I was, I was well within my rights to do. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it pretty much, uh, it pretty much told my ex, uh, you're going to be my ex now it's over. Right. Um, so, um, I call it insurrection day because it, because it happened to you, the, the, it, you know, two years ago was, uh, you know, was, uh, you know, was, it was, I don't know, a year after the, a, a more famous insurrection that also occurred on that same date, apparently, uh, allegedly um, but happy insurrection day yes so so for me this is you know this and it's fact that it's on a show day right i felt i felt it was it, i needed to acknowledge that this is when, you know this is where i did my all-in move right and i said okay we're we're gonna do what we're gonna do here and and you know and I, it was over and at that point it was over so i'm really you know i'm really excited you know it's like i said i look back at that time and what i'm doing now versus what i was doing then and there's there's no comparison i mean we can talk about some of the stuff that's that's been happening over the, uh, you know, the, you know, around the house here, but, uh, we can, but I think the reality is, is that my life is so much better today than it was before because I've got my partner. I've got my, I've got, uh, I've got my person. We, we, you know, we, we connect on so many levels. We, we, we keep each other present. We, uh, you know, we do all and this. And we have a great goddamn time. And we have a great goddamn time and y'all, and y'all pay, uh, y'all pay attention, you know, y'all uh, listen to us. So, you know, <laughs> we do that. Yeah. But. And some of you all, uh, even donate to listen to us be in love and do stupid shit. Yes. Now, um, okay. So that, that's all I, I think that, okay. Now I guess I get, I guess I have to, I can't skip the, she told me so. Not a chance in hell, my son. Okay. So we were, I, I was, I was troubleshooting the sink up here on the third floor and, uh, and you had, and I was, you said to try to turn the, um, 
the yeah, yeah, yeah the um the stopper in the sink I know that it screws on to the little piece that's kind of like a hair catcher. So I suggested to phone boy that in order to, I I don't think you can pull the stopper out without, um, pulling or without taking the, uh, the top piece off that seals the drain. So I told him to, take a paper towel or a face cloth to unscrew the circular piece on the drain. And he said, oh, I've done this plenty of times. I said, phone boy, you're going to cut your fingers if you don't. What do you think the next thing I heard was, ladies and gentlemen? That's right. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm like, fuck, I'm bleeding. <laughs> so here, you might want that. Um and the, Thank you. Because I think that I think that goes with the, uh, you know, I I couldn't get out of the toast and jam segment since I have we've got some Corona from last week when Tigger was here. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. do. We had such a great time with her being here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the after party was lit as fuck. <laughs> yes, it was. So <laughs> and actually, sadly, we weren't. Yeah, we we weren't really fucked up last weekend. No, we weren't. But and it was New Year's. So what is wrong with us? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, no, we, not a damn thing. We're we're trying to be, you know. Oh, new me, new year, not a chance in hell. I'm still going to be the same cantankerous twat you all have come to know and love. Yeah, exactly. So um, so now we also, um, yeah, so yeah, she told me so, but you also bought some new candles. Well, so, okay. First, let me say you're welcome, Bath and Body Works. You got more of my gold press latinum yet again. So they're having their semi-annual sale and Phone Boy loves this candle called the Perfect Christmas. It reminds him of the Mandalay Bay uh, lobby. It, it, yeah, in uh, in Las Vegas. In yeah, Vegas, the, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so I went to. I, I stopped on my way through Cookville on my way to work, and they don't got any. I'm like, well, fuck my life. But I had gone online and seen. Oh yes, they do. But you have to order them. So I'm like, mm, okay, I can be inconvenienced to actually have to wait for these things. So I ordered four of them for him and a couple of other things, including some of the uh, oil warmer things in the same scent. That way he can have it on the third floor here. So every time he comes up here, it'll be like going into the lobby of the Mandalay Bay. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, yeah. What can I say? Yeah, exactly. You know, so yeah, we got some. Yeah, so we have got one burning in the studio right now. Yeah, he wanted he wanted me to um, to use that candle since we usually burn one of the Bath and Body Works candles during the show, and then I either switch to a Yankee for the Studio Thirty Three, or I burn an incense cone in my Lotus burner. But either way, uh, yeah. there's always some sniffy stuff going on here in the studio. Yes. Now, meanwhile. We oh, oh, I muted. Okay. Well, we have this new segment that we, we'd like to we're going to premiere, and it has starts with this. Okay, so yeah, we had we so yeah. Notice, notice that we've uh, we, that we 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 still have our long-standing conflict about uh, who's the better lead singer for Van Halen. Now, uh, yeah, we played the well, and now our uh, our segments reflect our respect yet playful dispute between DLR and the best frontman for Van Halen, Mr. Sammy Hagar. Well, all right. So now we decided to rebrand the refire segment. And when we were looking to do that, we decided we wanted to, you suggested a restaurant critic. And I said, oh, well, that's as good as anything. Now, needless to say, well, it, it, it kind of, um, it kind of fit um, because we've gone 
consistently with the theme of restaurant stuff with having refire and things like that. So it just kind of naturally made sense with what we were doing for the voicemail segment, that being the Duncan Hines part. Um, come to find out yeah. what we did not know uh, is that all I was thinking was, yeah. you know, if we're, we're doing toast and jam, we're staying with food. Duncan Hines is a food company. Well, however, there's, there's however, a little, there's a little bit more to it. So ne- yes. neither, neither of us knew any of off the top of our head. So of course I went to the internet and found a name that's perfect. It's, and again, it's the, it's a name you've all heard of Duncan Hines. So let's actually talk about Duncan Hines. So Duncan Hines lived from March 26, 1880 to March 15th, 1959. So long before any of either of us were, you know, were sperms in, uh, you know, in somebody, in somebody's testicles. Right. Um, he was an American pioneer of restaurant ratings for travelers. He is best known today for the brand of food products that bear his name. Now, Heinz worked as a traveling salesman for a Chicago printer, and he had eaten many meals on the road across the United States by 1935 when he was 55. At the time, there was no American interstate highway system and only a few chain restaurants except in large populated areas. So travelers depended on local restaurants. Now, Heinz and his wife Florence began assembling a list for friends of several hundred good restaurants around the country. Now, this book proved so successful that Heinz added another which recommended lodging. And in the late 1940s and early 1950s, Heinz wrote the newspaper food column Adventures in Good Eating at Home, which appeared in newspapers across the U.S. three times a week on Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. The column featured restaurant recipes adapted for home cooks that he had collected during his nationwide travels. Now, 1952, Duncan Hines introduced Duncan Hines Bread through the Durkee Bakery Company of Homer, New York. Now, principals Michael C. Antel Sr. and, Al- and Albert Durkee and Lena Durkee were the bakery proprietors. Now, this was Duncan Hines' first foray into baked goods. And, of course, we also met, you know, there's, there's, there's a reason why we're playing the clip from Pound Cake on the, you know, on our, on our because you know, that's, I'm sure there's Pound Cake you can get that from Duncan Hines. Now, by 19... 19- there definitely is. By 1953, Heinz sold the right to use his name in the title of his book to Roy H. Park to form Heinz Park Foods, which which has licensed the name to a number of food-related businesses. Now, the cake mix was sold to Nebraska Consolidated Mills in Omaha, Nebraska, which developed and sold the first Duncan Heinz cake mixes. Now, in 1957, Nebraska Consolidated Mills sold the cake mix business to the U.S. consumer products company Procter & Gamble. Today, it's owned by Conagra Brands, so it is a bit of a double entendre to use the name Duncan Hines, but of course, that's completely on brand, right? So it's, it represents both hot, fresh garbage and, uh, you know, and... Uh and I get, you know, being a critic, I guess, of course, we don't know about, you know, people don't know about the critic part, but I guess we're going to bring some uh, visibility to that as we go on. That's right. There's there's the whole reason that we did it. And so now we have rebranded what we would call the refire topic to the DQ which can either be Duncan question or the dumbass question or, what, or, or whatever, whatever you'd like it to be, whatever word, but, but it's the DQ, right? So the DQ for this week was, um, you know, tell us something bad that happened at Christmas that you, yeah, you what, what's your Christmas bitch. Yes. However, I don't think we got that from this caller. We, who actually left, he left a, he left a message yesterday and he also left one today. Uh, uh, I, half a year of new. Um, yeah. Let me good for a New Year resolution, one from uh, the other week. Um, I don't have anything specific. I don't have anything that's like written down or like, hey, this is exactly it. Um, my wife and I just kind of need to get together and some stuff that we need to get done, just need want to get done. 
um, especially this year, and uh, just kind of looking at everything from finances to health to um, family and and just, yeah, um, it's just kind of one of those improve, um, but obviously that's, if you don't have something that's kind of like, yeah, some sort of plan, you know, like you don't want to just be like, I'm going to lose weight, but don't you don't give a specific amount or something like that, you know, kind of like actually set a goal. Um, sort of deal you don't have anything to aim at. So, yeah. Anywho, um, yeah, so currently nothing specific, but stuff in the realm of finances and, yeah, there's, there's health and, and whatnot and uh, just communication and, and JS. But, uh, yeah, um, anywho, that'd be that. So, all right, Phoenix phone boss. It's not Saturday. It's still Friday. But, you know, love you guys. It's that dangerous. And, uh, you know, if it is Friday or if it's Saturday or if it's another day, you can always give that hottie, hottie, hottie. Kaka! 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 Yeah, hottie, hottie, hottie is what it, what it says in the, in the thing. Yes, it does. Oh, uh, turn the deal it. was, I, I wrote that down as a, as a show title. That came oh, okay. The, okay, so now we got a, we had another voicemail uh, just a little, little, uh, little while ago. Oh, yeah. Now to uh, keep with the current uh, thing, ranting about the holidays. I mean, overall, it was, it, was, it was great. I mean, Christmas and everything was lovely. Got to do stuff with her family and then my family a different day. And, uh, uh, yeah, people come together and her grandma and stuff came over and, and jazz and um, whatever. So, uh. Yeah, lovely time. Um, I mean, yeah, there's always stuff you can rant about, you know, like, but, uh, overall things, there was stuff that was, that went smoother, went better, you know, just even planning and whatnot, just to make stuff more enjoyable and meals and jazz and, you know, just the logistics of, uh, of anything. Um, kind of like, you know, have, you know, having people over, like, make things smooth so you also enjoy it kind of deal. One of those. Um, but, uh, I guess if you can't really want to rant, it's it's just when like there's people there and but they're not there completely, and uh, it's kind of like how long is this gonna go on kind of deal, and because uh, it, it just pushes stuff farther down the road. And I think I mentioned this on maybe it was this podcast, I don't know, another one, but uh, yeah, you know, just keep on pushing stuff down, and then that's like down the road, and then you kind of forget what it was even about, but then it's still there, and then yeah. It's just, it's not good. It's not healthy and, uh, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, then there's kids and, and whatnot. And, you know, how is this getting translated to the children? And even if it's not even, nothing that's like said, don't want to get into it, don't want to dox nothing. But, you know, like, even if it's not said, like, there's just that air, um, like, there's a grievance or something like that. That's just, it's always, it's literally in the air. Um, and you might not even notice it, you know. Everybody gets everybody gets used to that part, kind of deal. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, it was lovely and enjoyable. So that be that. All right. Well, the wife is already with the nephews, and uh, so I'm gonna just grab in some stuff so we have some food, and then uh, I'm gonna go over there. So and uh, go watch. Go watch the the nephews with her. So, I right, love you guys. Be next, old boy. Uh, you know, 
that dangerous, and uh, whether or not it's Saturday or it's another day, give a hearty there you go. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. And I think and yeah, it's interesting. He mentions the kind of the, you know, the feeling in the air. Right. We talk about that. Um, we talk about that a lot. Yeah. And I think it, and sometimes, you know, that is a uh, yeah. Then sometimes if you don't address those issues, and that's why we, you know, we try to take the uh, make an effort to address the issues before they become real problems. Right. Because yeah. And it, I mean, y'all hear me talking about not being fake. That's one of the things. I think um, that he's kind of referencing there is like you don't want to say anything. So you you put on this fake act like everything's fine when like underneath you're seething and you'd rather just like smash Aunt Nancy's face into that pie instead of taking a gift from her. Like, but you smile and you grit your teeth through it. But there's that air. There's that feeling like, you know, something's wrong. You can't put your finger on it, but you just know something's not quite right. But I'm really glad that you had a good holiday, Mr. Christopher Battles and family. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. And we appreciate your voicemails so much. They they mean a lot to <laughs> yes, us. Yes, they do. Uh, and we would love to hear from you all. So yeah. 253-237-3321. There you go. Contact. That's right. All right. Anyway, so the, it, um, yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny because, you you, you know, yeah, you, you, you know, I remember um, a couple of Christmases ago, um, this was, this was right after this. So this was, you know, just this past, you know, um, that, uh, I had, uh, the, yeah, I had sent, I had sent a text message that was meant for you. Now this was the last Christmas you were at Wisteria Lane. Yeah, this is the, yeah, this is the last. So, I so I think I had I, I I think I had finished cleaning up in the in the um you know I finished cleaning up in the kitchen or whatever and after it was after the Christmas meal I guess or or so it was close to that and it was and yeah they were all sitting around in the in the living room uh you know the family room uh, on their phones and it includes that includes the 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 uh, the, the yeah mama half a and 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 yeah and I sent a message that went I accidentally went to my ex. <laughs> It was meant for me, went to her. That was, yeah. But, uh, that was funny as hell. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, I know what's meant for me is this, uh, you know, is uh, well, what we got to do here. I'll take a drink, and I, my name's Smoke Little Reef. You know, I, I like to smoke reefer. You know, it relaxes me and everything. A couple of doobies, you know, just to get you through the day and everything. But I do not freebase cocaine. No, we don't. But, no, uh, we don't. But we do believe in this next situation. Yeah, as a, the only reason I know that song is because people and people at, a, at my high school uh, listened to that song. So the fact I remember the name of it, you know. I feel like we've heard that song played on like some after time or pre time for Bull After Bull with Lauren and Spencer. Probably it has been. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know it's in the it's it's been around a while. I know that. Um, it has. Okay, so now apparently there are new marijuana laws taking effect in multiple states that are affecting workers' regulation, product labeling, and so on. Now, I'm not going to sit and spend a lot of time talking about all of these things. Now, California and Washington State have implemented cannabis-related workplace protections. And basically, they're saying, look, if you, if, if as long as you're not doing it on the job or whatever, if you're if you're consuming it legally, then you're not, you know they, they can't that that you know you can't, you're not allowed to uh, use that against people because it's a legal substance. Here's where that I think is going to run into a little bit of murkiness is if you are a regular pot smoker and granted, okay, let's say that you work in a factory and you don't wake and bake, you go to work, you have a joint or a bowl or whatever, hit the bong a couple times when you get home from work, you know, relaxes you so you can sleep. What happens when you're at work? You get hurt 
and they drug test you, you're going to pop hot for weed, which we know isn't illegal. But that this is where the murky comes in. Workman's comp and OSHA and things like that are probably going to have an interesting battle. I think we're going to see some print about this at some point where because there's no way of telling that you weren't actively stoned when you were at work because you're a responsible person, you don't do that, but they have no way of knowing because when they test it, the amount that's in your system, if you're a regular smoker is not going to be able, if I'm, if I'm not wrong about it, I don't think they're going to be able to tell level wise when the last time you smoked was to establish whether or not you were impaired while working. Yeah, exactly. Well, now we've also got we got some um, so Nevada, I think, is uh, increases its possession limit to uh, two point five ounces from one ounce. That's that's not that's a that's a step in the right that direction. That is a step in the right direction. Now, Virginia gets a new marijuana regulatory body, but you know, whatever. Uh, Colorado marijuana products have to have a have a use by date on them now. Yeah, no stale weed. For those folks, that's right. Now, now this is this was the most interesting one, or this was the uh, um, you know th- this this is a whole thing for Oklahoma that which the medical cannabis industry will see multiple updates. Now, several new laws take effect in Oklahoma uh, that affect the state's medical marijuana market. Now, this includes one measure that will authorize the Oklahoma Medical Mar- Mar- Me- uh, o- Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority. There we go. There's a tongue that. twister for you to hire secret shoppers that can discreetly carry out oversight activities such as investigating regulatory. Comp- Compliance at cannabis businesses and providing samples from dispensaries to quality assurance labs. Now, for the first year, OMA, which is what it's called to, uh, not to be confused with Sir OMA, right, uh, must deploy the secret shoppers to at least 50 medical marijuana dispensaries each year. By the following year, the, the law says that regula- regulators must inspect at least 10% of randomly selected shops. Yeah, how random are those inspections, I wonder? Yeah, probably about as random as the quote unquote random drug test that you have to take as a CDL driver because the company knows who's going to fucking be a guaranteed pass and who may not be. Yeah. Now another, um, so can, can you, okay. So another law that goes into effect on Monday that will allow licensed marijuana labs to formally validate their testing process, a voluntary step that's meant to demonstrate strict compliance with various rules and objectives for labs. Also, a separate law taking effect further promotes the development of additional industry standards for labs, COCO 5 news reports. Now, additionally, an Oklahoma law becomes effective on Monday that requires regulators to develop a process to provide for the certification of workers at licensed medical marijuana businesses, ensuring that they meet minimum standards in order to maintain employment in the industry. Now, it does not specify what those standards are. Now, of course not. But but like we said, I'm sure you can look it up if you care. If you're in Oklahoma and dealing with the medical marijuana industry, you probably already know all of this. But yeah, the but, closest to us that I'm keeping an eye on is the Virginia situation. Well, although I think you should probably keep an eye on this next thing, because this is this is a little bit closer. To well, I, I definitely am keeping an eye on this. 
Are you threatening me? Yes. So in April, the Tennessee General Assembly passed legislation to regulate and tax hemp products grown, manufactured, and sold in the state. Under the bill, the Tennessee Department of Agriculture is tasked with drafting rules to govern the industry, including regulations for product testing, compliance, and enforcement. Now, earlier this month, the Agriculture Department released a draft of proposed new regulations for the hemp industry, which are slated to go into effect next year. Now, five years ago, the U.S. Congress legalized hemp agriculture with the passage of the 2018 Farm Bill. The legislation defines hemp as cannabis plants with less than 0.3% Delta 9 THC. Which we know by the person who came up with the number, it is a bullshit number. It's arbitrary as fuck. Yes, it is. Now, Tennessee's hemp laws follow the Farm Bill's definition, but the proposed rules from the Department of Agriculture would require products to have less than uh, uh, 0.3% THC in all its forms, including THCA and Delta-8 THC. The proposed regulations would make many of the hemp products currently available in Tennessee illegal. Now, representatives of the hemp industry say that the new rules go too far and threaten the viability of the industry. And then you wonder why I say we will be one of the very last states kicking and screaming if we ever legalize marijuana. They are missing out on a gigantic fucking tax windfall because they refuse to release their old white ass yeah. now, ideas. Now, Chris Sumrell, a hemp grower and the owner of Chattanooga's Farm to Med, said he worked with lawmakers to help draft, um, you know, to, to help to help draft these uh, regulations, right? Uh, the, 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 to protect the rep- reputation of Tennessee hemp industry, uh, fearing that untested and unreliable products would tarnish its image. Now, however, after the department released the proposed rule changes for enforcing the law, Sermel pulled all dry flower products from his stores and moved that affected his sales during the holiday season. If the rules went into effect as currently written, he said about 90% of his sales would be threatened. Douchebag. I'm just saying. Yeah. Now, the Department of Agriculture's proposed rules would also allow it to conduct random inspections and test products being sold by retailers. Now, hemp advocates argue that by the time the products have been manufactured and received by retailers, some THCA may have been have decarboxylated, making them contain more than 0.3 percent Delta 9 THC. Hess says that the rule would wipe out the industry for THCA and CBD flower in Tennessee, which here's the problem that I have. I find that to be a completely invalid argument that the THCA may have decarboxylated. No, no, pretty much the product that gets put into those vapes and all of the things that you're going to receive, the decarboxylation has already happened. It's not going to happen after it's been manufactured and received. It happens during the manufacturing and not after you fucking ignorant cunts. Now, the Department of Agriculture reports that 319 growers have been licensed to grow hemp in the state. Now, the Tennessee Growers Association estimates that the state's hemp industry now generates about $200 million per year in sales. That's pretty good. But businesses in the industry say the proposed uh, regulations put all of that in jeopardy. Yes, it does. On top of which, you think that you're making 200 mil on that? Try legalization. You're going to double or triple that there's no i'm telling you right now there's no way they're making 200 mil a year on delta eight i call unfettered bullshit 
Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Now, Tennessee's hemp, business, hemp businesses uh, have an ally in the state legislator who's monitoring the, the situation with the proposed regulations. A state representative, uh, Chris Hurt, a member of the Agriculture Committee who grew up uh, grew hemp for two years, said he has concerns about new rules as they are written. Now, Hurt has agreed to sponsor new legislation in 2024 to clarify the intent of the law passed earlier this year. Hess said that if the proposed rules go into effect as currently written, the Tennessee Growers Association will consider litigation to challenge the regulations, as they should. Well, goddamn right. Here we go. This guy, this guy, I want to keep an eye on this guy, phone boy. He might actually have his shit together. And I think we might even want to get a copy of that bill. I'm just saying. Yeah, well. A little light reading yeah. before bed. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, but I, could, I should also probably this do this. something that. Uh, by the way, you, you yeah, were on this is yeah. definitely something you should try. When you're running and you're definitely inebriated, it's pretty fun. Yeah, so cannabis consumption prior to exercise can lead to greater enjoyment and an enhanced runner's high, a new study has found. Though it's also tied to an increase in feelings of exertion from working out. Published in Yeah, the we've talked about the fact that we want, I want you, when the weather gets warmer, um, I think you and I need to get fucking cake baked and then go for a run. Yeah. Now, published last week in the journal Sports Medicine, the paper from researchers at the University of Colorado, good play, yeah, I imagine that'd be a, get that Rocky Mountain high going, you know, uh, found that, u- that using marijuana before exercising may lead to increases in both positive and negative aspects of the experience. Now, the findings held regardless of whether participants use THC or CBD-dominate products, although people who use CBD reported a greater sense of enjoyment and less of an increase in exertion. Now, authors believe the study is the first to investigate... That's because you don't get as high. <clears throat> high on cbd as you do on thc yeah that's where the whole exertion thing comes in is that when you're high you're not moving as fast as you think you're moving so in order to move that fast you have to exert more it's a very simple concept when you think about the chemistry makeup of how your brain fires the neurons that trigger the muscle contraction yeah. Now, meanwhile, authors believe the study is the first to investigate the acute effects of commercially available cannabis on subjective responses to exercise in a laboratory environment. Now, our findings suggest that among individuals who have experienced using cannabis with exercise, smoking or vaping cannabis flower prior to exercise may lead to increases in both positive, i.e. the effect and enjoyment, and negative, the exertion aspects of the ex- exercise experience, they wrote in the report. Now, they, t- they, they had 42 participants and included and in, in, in most reported uh, using cannabis in combination with running or jogging, hiking, and cycling. Now, at at baseline, the study says most participants reported that cannabis increased their enjoyment of exercise. 90%, uh, 90.5% reduced their pain discomfort levels during exercise. 69% improved their ability to focus during exercise. 59.5% and increased their motivation to exercise. 57.1%. Only 45.2% reported that cannabis made time go by faster during exercise. And only 28.6% reported that cannabis improved their exercise performance. Yeah, if time was going by faster... You either slipped into a time loop or you weren't smoking the good shit. Because I'll tell you what, time just fucking slows down if you're watching it. And if you're not, it feels like it went by fast. And then it's like, oh, that was only five minutes. Yeah. So 
Cannabis use was associated with experiencing more runner's high symptoms during exercise, with some indications that participants in the CH, uh, THC group experienced the effect more than those who used the CBD dominant product. Now, despite those apparent benefits of cannabis use before exercise, participants also recorded signi reported significantly more exertion during their post-cannabis activity. People who used the THC dominant product reported a greater difference in exertion between the cannabis and non-cannabis exercise periods. And differences in other measures, such as pain and effective arousal, were not statistically sadistically no, statistically significant yeah sadistically significant i think that has to be written yeah down. sadistically significant needs to be written down uh, so can okay so can we uh, uh i believe it's time for us to take a trip to the back of the napkin iphone schmai phone the way i see it the only good phone's a landline and the phone should be made out of bakelite Mm, love me some tech grouch and also love, you know, what we're up to over here for dinner tonight. What to by Carl's Jr. Fuck you. I'm eating. So nothing extravagant, because like I said, I had a lot of trouble trying to wrap my head around what I was going to do for <sighs> dinner. So we basically decided to have Phone Boy's favorite breakfast cereal, which is, of course, bacon and eggs. And I have no objection to this. I might zhuzh it up. I'm not sure. But basically, that's the... The long and the short of what Phoenix is doing for dinner tonight. Nothing too extravagant. We're going to smoke some chicken tomorrow night because there's not supposed to be any rain tomorrow night. So tonight it's just a simple breakfast night of bacon and eggs. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, I think, uh, you know, um, yeah, you know, we have some sleepless nights. And are, do phones actually cause this problem? I don't know. I think they do. How do I get to sleep? I'll count those bars on the window. One, two, three, sleep. Yeah, I love me some uh, paranoia from uh, from the art of noise. Uh, uh, it's a great track, uh, you know, with with Max Hedrum and Matt Frewer. By the way, um, it's weird knowing that that was an entirely plastic suit that he was wearing. Uh, you know, that 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 you know, they did all little that. creepy, a little creepy. Now, light from smartphone screens, tablets, and computers has widely been thought to be disruptive to our natural circadian rhythms, and as a result, an industry has sprung up around sleep hygiene. Now, it is actually, and in fact, uh, you know, th this is uh, I think you remember the uh, there's a there's a utility called Flux that some of us, uh, you know, that 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 uh, you know, that probably some of us have used, and they've and this has also been built in and now, now built into the various operating systems on your mobile phones and, and your and desktops where the, the where the where the computer will automatically re reduce the blue light that you're experiencing you know at, 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 you know during the sunset or whatever so that you're not theoretically getting exposed to as much blue light but um now, a new study released last month in the journal Nature suggests that so-called blue light, the type of light emitted from these devices, may not be as disruptive as previously understood. The study from the University of Basel and the Technical University of Munich studied effects of calibrated blue-yellow uh, changes in light on the human circadian clock. Now, researchers exposed 16 subjects to three different types of light for an hour before they went to sleep for the night. Now, after using blue, dim, yellow, and constant white background control light, the study authors determined that there, that there was no conclusive evidence for an effective calibrated silent substitution changes in light coloring along with the blue yellow access on the human circadian clock or sleep now light itself can be a general disruptor to human sleep patterns but perhaps not in the way that modern devices may have been seen in recent years now of course the the, the article really doesn't talk about what what you know what uh, why this is or whatever it although it does give you this sort of the classical uh, phrase of more research is needed 
Yeah, which, you know, yeah. So who knows what any of this stuff is? I, I just, I kind of like, I kind of like it myself. I don't, because it, it, it just feels less bright. And so, I mean, as an aesthetics thing, I like it a little bit more than... The, I know you don't like a lot of light uh, at night. You, uh, you're very adamant about little to no light pollution in our bedroom. And I'm fine with that. Um, the one thing I appreciate is the fact that the way my mind works, uh, I like to watch some YouTube videos before I go to sleep and it actually helps me to get tired. So I'm appreciative of the fact that you don't give me shit about that. No, I don't. I'm, but you know, like I said, if I'm, if I'm that tired, I'm going to fall asleep anyway. Now. So I, I, but I think, uh, you probably have never seen this, uh, this thing that we're going to talk about here next. No, I don't think I have. Give up my Atari? My television? How about for this? You bet your asteroid. Okay, so that is a that is a that is a clip from a commercial for for a, for a console called Vetrex, and it actually came out in 1982, uh, r- right before the uh, right before the uh, the, the great uh, you know the, the great video game crash. And so, unfortunately, it, 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 it didn't exist for very long. But it is a it is an interesting system. Now. Um, so yeah, it, yeah. The, the the Vetrix was years ahead of ahead of um, you know. So this is uh, this was a this was a story in Ars Technica. Now it was years uh, ahead of anything else on the market. Yet it could not have launched at a worse time. The Vetrix hit the stores at the tail end of 1982, and over the next six months, the then booming video game market went bust. The Vetrix, a potential revolution in home gaming, was swept into bargain bins, forgotten by all but the most ardent of collectors. And I've actually I've actually uh, uh, I think I've actually used the the Vetrix. It's an interesting it was an interesting system. Now. 40 years later, um, it's having a, something of a comeback. Uh, new developers are breathing fresh code into this aged machine. Hardware hackers and tinkerers are ensuring that tiered or tired capacitors and CRTs stay functional. And a new game is, has seen retail release after sitting unplayed for four decades. Now, the Vetrix design was unique. It was a video game console wholly integrated into a portrait-oriented CRT, kind of like an arcade uh, uh, you know, screen. This was at a time when most households had just a single television set. Now, playing Atari back then meant fighting with your siblings and, and parents about who had control of the TV because missing an episode of the A-Team had real consequences or Dukes of Hazzard or something like that. Now, not only was DVR technology still decades away, Sony was still trying to say that recording television programs on VCR cassettes was illegal. (sighs) Yeah, but now the real reason for the Vetrex's integrated display was its reliance on a display technique not seen on a home game system before or since. Vector graphics are a true rarity on the gaming scene. Now, the 1979 classic Asteroids is probably the most famous example. Well, I think my favorite one is the 1983 Star Wars game. It is far and away the most. Actually, I like the Empire Strikes Back. That's the that's the game I like. Um, Outside of a few exceptions, every video game you've ever played has been made up of a series of pixels. Whether it's CRT, LCD, LED, or even OLED, you're still talking about images made up of tiny dots of light. Now, the, as the years have progressed, those pixels have gotten smaller and smaller. Likewise, uh, you know the, 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 the graphical power pic, uh, provided by the advanced GPU systems like the GeForce RTX 4090, that's, that, that feels like a fucking native ad right there, uh, allows those pixels to assemble into ever more realistic 3D worlds. Now, ultimately, though, it's just a bunch of pixels. On the Vetrix, there aren't any pixels. 
uh, uh, the, it, it, it is, uh, you know, the, 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 it's, it's, it's a, yeah, the, the, as its name implies, graphics are here are made up of vectors. That means a straight beam of light drawn from point A to point B. Electrons shot straight and narrow onto a cathode ray tube that glows in response. Connect three such lines and you have a triangle, a simple polygon, the building block of all mainstream 3D gaming even today. Now, that lack of pixels meant that even 40 years on, watching a Vectrex game in action is an oddly captivating thing. There's, there's a fluidity in the rudimentary graphics, an innate sharpness that was not only lacking in other games of the period, but that still looks novel today. Now, overall fidelity, however, is admittedly low. Though color TVs were well and truly mainstream by 1983, the Vectrex is decidedly black and white, a problem solved by some crafty budget-minded engineering. Now, most Vectrex titles came with a transparent overlay, a full-color sheet of plastic that clips in place over the display, injecting some hue into the unfortunately desaturated CRT. Now, powering this was a relatively simple set of silicon with an 8-bit Motorola 6809 processor at its heart, the same processor behind arcade classics like Robotron 2084 and many later Williams pinball machines, and it ran at a mighty 1 megahertz with a whole 1 kilobyte of RAM at its disposal. That's pretty freaking amazing. Now, the chip was paired with an integrated control pad with an analog joystick far more advanced than the four-way joysticks found on every other home console controller at the time. All that specialized hardware led to a specialized price. The Vetrix launched in 1982 at $199, which is about $650 in 2023 dollars. Now, less than 18 months later, it was dead. Now, collector Stephen Salter bought his first system in 2017 and has since added two more to the stable. I should, I should, one of my coworkers is, a, is an old video game collector. I should ask him if he's got one of these. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted two, but I lucked into a third one for dirt cheap, and I would have been stupid to pass it up, he said. Now, Salter was hanging out with a friend at a local gaming shop outside Hartford, Connecticut. There you know, there, this is, Oh, look at that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, while, while there, an older gentleman came in to see about selling some gaming devices. Now, we'll call this man Mr. Smith because he has no interest in being attached to the story. Now, both Salter and Sean Kelly identified him as a former high-ranking engineer at Milton Bradley, who, after the termination of the Vetrex, found himself in a possession of boxes of random stuff related to the system. Now, he had come into the game store looking to sell some Vetrix games and accessories. Now, the manager said that the store didn't deal with systems quite that old, but instead of sending Smith packing, he waved over to Salter. Now, Salter bought a few Vetrix games from Smith on the spot, who, who then said, I have a whole bunch more stuff in my collection. It's just sitting on the shelf, and it's time to part ways with it. Now, intrigued, Salter exchanged numbers with Smith and later drove to his house. Salter was most interested in buying a sealed 3D imager from Mr. Smith, a sort of an oddball pre-Oculus headset that used a spinning multi-hued disc to not only add depth to Vetrix games, but color, too. These headsets are so rare that sealed units sell for thousands. But, but, wow. But while going through Smith's collection, Salter found something different, a developer's cartridge. Now, it wasn't even a cartridge in a shell, Salter said. It was just a bare PC board, and the ROM board on it was actually a socketed chip. It was the kind of sort of thing a developer would use to test games in active development. Now, it had only one marking, a white sticker with a curious misspelled title, A Crush of Lucifer, and, and Lucifer spelled with an S, if you can believe that. Now, Salter carefully popped the unprotected shard of silicon into his veteran and became the first person to play the game since it was apparently abandoned by its developers some 40 years earlier. Now, Salter actually released this game in 2022. I don't, uh, and, and so you could actually buy this game and you can plug it into a Vetrix if you'd like to. Uh, That's pretty neat. Yes. So, you know, this is, and so I, you know, this is something I think once I've got, um, you know, once we get clear of some of the other bullshit we got to deal with, this is something I actually want to, uh, I'd like to, I'd, I'd like to start collecting some of these older systems. That, and, Honey, I don't tell you what to do with your money. I respect your decision, much like you respect mine to do what I do. And yeah, if this is what makes you happy, 
I'm I'm all about it, one thousand percent. Let's do it. I mean, I'm not sure how much of this I can do, but I but again, I have a coworker who's actually he he and he actually lives in Nashville, so he so. Well, that's way convenient. Yes, and uh, you and I have talked about the fact that we will once we have our house have an actual pinball machine, and we will play that yeah, pinball machine. Exactly. Now, this is this just fucking blows my mind. This next story. That's the stupidest combination I ever heard in my life. That's the kind of thing an idiot would have on his luggage. Now, Orange España, which is Spain's second lar- biggest uh, mobile operator, suffered a major outage on Wednesday after an unknown party obtained a ridicul- ridiculously weak password and used it to access an account for managing the global routing table that controls which networks deliver the company's internet traffic, researchers said, which is pretty... F- yeah, when you control the route, you control the routing, you control DNS, you, God, you control pretty much everything at that point. Now, the, the hijacking began around 9.28 coordinated universal time, so about two about 2.28... Uh, Pacific time uh, when the party logged into Orange, Orange Ripe's NCC account using the password Ripe Admin minus the quotation marks. Now the Ripe Network Coordination Center is one of five regional internet registries. This is the guys. This is the guys that control who owns what IP addresses, by the way, right? Which are responsible for managing and allocating IP addresses to internet service providers, telecommunication, telecommunication organizations, and companies that manage their own network infrastructure. So, That's a bad thing. Yes. Now. The password came to light after the party using the moniker Snow posted an image to social media that showed the orange.es email address associated with the Ripe account. Now, Ripe said it's working on ways to beef up account security. Maybe not allow fucking that fucking password. No, just Gee, um, a little hard to put the bullet back in the fucking gun once it's been fired, dude. Yes, I, you know, you fucked up. Yeah, so security firm uh, Hudson Rock plugged the email address into a database it maintains to track credentials for sale in online bazaars. Now, in a post, the security firm said that username and ridiculously weak password were harvested by information-stealing malware that had been installed on an orange computer since September. The password was then made available for sale to an info-stealer marketplace. Now, researcher Kevin Beaumont said thousands of credentials protecting other ripe accounts are also available in such marketplaces. Now, once logged into Orange's <coughs> excuse me, Orange's ripe account, Snow made changes to the global routing t- table the mobile operator relies on specifically what backbone providers are authorized to carry its traffic to various parts of the world. Now, these tables are managed using the Border Gateway Protocol, otherwise known as BGP, which I mentioned earlier. It connects one regional network to the rest of the internet. Now, specifically, Snow added several ROAs, short for Route Origin Authorizations. These entries allow autonomous systems, such as Orange's AS12479, to designate other autonomous systems or large chunks of IP addresses to deliver its traffic to various regions of the world. So this is a bad thing, folks. It it truly is a bad thing. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Yeah, this this is, I I think, what Phoneboy and his crew would affectionately label Big Balagon. Exactly. Now, now we know that this is going to be Big Balagon. This uh, next, this uh, we, we, as we go to the humanity jun- was incapable of solving even its most basic problems, like garbage, which had been stacked for centuries. Well, I've been working in a yeah. So there, so there's a so um, a massive EV battery. Uh, EV electric vehicle battery factory may have to rely on coal plant for it for it to function. I almost need the I need the uh, need, need the uh, you know the, the the womp 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 you know thing right. You didn't think of that. I didn't think of that. Now, an electronic battery factory in Kansas may use so much energy that a local power plant might not be able to stop burning coal as quickly as planned, according to multiple reports. Uh, we're talking about Panasonic, which is a, a major Japanese uh, uh, conglomerate uh, technology company. 
They're building a massive electric vehicle plant in DeSoto, Kansas, that could consume enough energy to power a small city, according to Cowboy State Daily. Now, the facility, which could receive billions in federal subsidies, could use so yeah, uh, could use so much electricity to produce EVs that it, that Evergy, the local utility company, will have to build new infrastructure and could raise taxes to pay for it, according to the Kansas City Star. Oh my God, Kansas residents must be absolutely incensed by this. The sheer gall of these fucking people to think that because you want to build your excuse me you need to build new infrastructure because you've allowed this japanese battery company that's about to poison that fucking beautiful little town of desoto kansas and you want the fucking people who live in your state to pay for the destruction of their quaint little town Shame on you, motherfucker. Shame yeah. on you. Evergy announced in April it would ask the Kansas uh, Corporation Commission uh, to raise utility rates by 5.9% in some regions of the state and by as much as 24.9% in an area, including the cities of Topeka and Wichita, as well as other parts of Johnson County, according to the Kansas City Star. Now, in order to ensure that Evergy is ready to meet all demand at all times, uh, the company will continue to burn coal at a power plant near Lawrence, Kansas, a move that will delay that facility's transition to cleaner natural gas, according to Cowboy State Daily. Now, Transportation Secretary B... Pete Buttigieg uh, visited the factory construction site in February, saying it's so impressive to see how you can get the right kind of community intent, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, intentionally and the right kind of infrastructure can get you major, major results, according to KMBC nine. Now, um, I would have loved in my mayor days to have a four billion dollar piece of good news. So you you are the envy of a lot of communities. I don't think that's the case. I'm sure the people in that community don't aren't necessarily happy with this. Not Uh, even a little. Last week we talked about. Uh, some battery, a uh, small town in, I believe, Ohio, fighting a battery company coming in. And I'll say the same thing I said last week. Love Canal, anyone? Now, the Panasonic plant could eventually net $6.8 billion from the federal government via the Inflation Reduction Act. President Blow Jiden, uh, his signature climate bill, according to to Cowboy State Daily. And the factory itself is estimated to cost about four bill to build, according to Fox 4 Kansas City. So are people protesting it, like in the story we covered earlier? Yeah, I don't mm. know. Yeah, I don't know. They're not reporting on that, are they? No, they're not. But, uh, you know, we, 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 but we're now to the point in the, in the series we talk about the, the dishonorable mentions. Okay. Y'all are a bunch of fucking degenerates. Yeah. This one. I love this one. Now, as you know, the Steamboat Willie version of Mickey Mouse is now in the public domain in the United States. Now, we've also we've also seen some uh, some of the expected effort to put down you know low quality stakes, including the inevitable Mickey Mouse horror film and the Mickey Mouse horror video game. Now, while unsurprising and easy, in the meantime, we've also seen lots of folks uploading the original Steamboat Willie in a variety of places. And you can find lots of versions uploaded to YouTube. But just because Mickey is public domain in the U.S., it doesn't mean that Big Mouse will simply stop copyright claiming. Now, Matt Lee uploaded his own copy, only to quickly get notified that the video was being blocked in certain countries. Now, in a global area, all of this in a global era, 
all of this seems pretty silly. I mean, given that the intent of copyright law was to give the creator the incentive to create in the first place, and the initial 56 years that the U.S. gave Disney seemed like enough at the time, it's absolutely ridiculous that we're still even in this spot. Mickey should have been freed decades ago, but for now, it seems to be taking some time to work that uh, public domainness through the system. Now, it is, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, I have seen a lot of weird memes and stuff with uh, that, that, that were, were under, you know, with Steamboat Willie, you know, Epstein didn't kill himself, among others. But uh, I, I say go savage, rip it apart. Yes. Now, um, we need to, I think we uh, need to rip this apart, too. Could really go for a Starbucks, you know? Yeah, well, I really don't think we have time for a hand job, Joe. Yeah. Now, when you get a Starbucks gift card, which is why I played that clip, or, or keep reloading one on your phone, you often end up with awkward amounts that can be difficult to spend. I don't find it to be difficult. Yeah. For most people, the remainders are a few bucks of wasted potential caffeine and sugar. Uh, for Starbucks, they're, wor they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars each year, according to a consumer advocacy group in Washington state that wants to end the gift card loophole. Changes in the coffee giant's home state could affect gift and loyalty cards nationwide. Now, the Washington Consumer Protection Coalition, which is, uh, which is its list it's a uh, uh, top funding contributor is the Service Employees International Union. Uh is pushing state legislators to remove a provision dating back to 2004. Now, while that 2004 legislation was relatively consumer-friendly for its time by barring gift cards from fully expiring and eliminating maintenance fees, it allowed funds left on cards or now on mobile apps to be claimed as revenue by companies. What How fucking gross is that? That, is, that? Yes. So under the proposed legislation backed by WCPC, those funds would instead go to the unclaimed property division of the Washington Department of Revenue. Before that happens, other reforms would allow for cashing out small, left, uh, small amounts left on gift cards by combining them with cash for payment, for example, requiring companies to inform customers of unspent funds before they are diverted and potentially removing minimum reload amounts on phone apps. Now, consumers, uh, your customers could still spend their old funds after they are diverted with the state reimbursing the card issuing company. Now, uh, I will never reload my Starbucks digital card again. I'm going to spend what's on it. And then those motherfuckers get cash only. And if I don't have cash, Guess who don't have no Starbucks? Yeah, well, you don't get stars that way. That's the, the only problem. Oh, yes, you motherfucking do. Oh, yeah. yes, sir, you do. You have an option on the application to only uh, to not uh, pay with your card to only like apply stars to your balance. Yeah, but I think, but I think with that, you, you do you not you, have you, to you, use digital yeah, yeah, to you do don't, that. You, yeah, you don't even, but you don't get as much you know, many stars doing that. However, yes. How so, would you not? You're spending the same no, amount no, of they, money. They, because, because Starbucks doesn't award as enough, when you pay with another method, Starbucks only awards half the stars that you would do if you paid with your That's ticket. fucking crooked. Yes, it is. It is crooked. Well, I have a feeling I'm about to not Starbucks anymore. Fuck Starbucks. Yeah, and fuck Joe Biden while we're at it. Yeah, uh, fuck Joe Biden, okay. you know. Yeah, exactly. Now, meanwhile, I think, uh, so fucking over this. I've fucking enjoyed every minute of it. Well, I'm glad. I hope you all did. Uh, yeah, because so, we enjoyed every fucking minute of giving it to you. Exactly. So, um, but I think it's time to. I think it's time to uh, to end this shit show and it ends something like this. Do it. Jordan fades back. Swoosh, and that's the game. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you. I'm out. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.
second eight. Let's quit the swearing.